And good morning, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan, McCartan After Midnight, and I'll be talking all things New York sports with you until 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning or late Saturday night if you're still out and about in the city that doesn't sleep. Coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio in Lower Manhattan, and we are just two hours into Football Sunday, November 17, 2019. We're going to be together a lot tonight, you and me. I have Brian behind the glass tonight. He's ready, willing, and able to take your phone calls, and you guys know the number. It's probably programmed in 877-337-6666. Pretty much everything's on the table tonight. So um, I have got a very special guest for you later tonight. That you guys did not guess with the few sneaky little clues I left for you on my Facebook and Twitter accounts. Um, former Jets linebacker during the Kotite years and beyond. I'm, I'm going to have um, Chad Cascadden on tonight. And the, the purpose is to parallel the 95-96 Jets, of which he was a member to the 2019 Jets. We'll talk about signs that a coach is possibly losing a locker room. Right and wrong ways to go about motivating a team, re coaching from the podium, posting fines on locker room TVs. Get the player perspective on that. <clears throat> and the Jets Redskins game later today, one p.m., where the Jets are two and a half point underdogs. The Washington Redskins. That's head scratching. I also have another last minute guest coming on promptly after the two twenty update, and there's no hints on this one except for the fact that he is a quarterback guru, a real one. So no, my guest isn't Adam Gase tonight, so I can't wait for you guys to hear who it is and what he had to say, specifically about Colin Kaepernick's workout today. And uh, let's go, the fact that the NFL has had a whirlwind couple of days. I came in like a wrecking ball. I never hit so hard in love. So at first, Miles Garrett came at Mason Rudolph like a wrecking ball. With five seconds left in the game on Thursday Night Football. And you guys know me. I really don't ever stay up late long enough to watch the end of those games. They start way too late. So I turned it off with five minutes to go. What a mistake. And that was the Miles Garrett controversy. So if you wanted to load that up, we can do that. And next, it's just this inconsistency of the he said, they said with Colin Kaepernick and the NFL. Today alone, I mean, it's been chaotic. The time of the workout changed. The circumstances of the workout changed. Media, no media. So therefore, the location of the workout changed. I mean, we went from holding this thing at the Atlanta Falcons NFL facility to a high school field, literally at least, I looked it up, one hour south of the original location if you drove right through the heart of Atlanta. And I'm a linear person. I tried to find a timeline of exactly what happened and when, since the day it was announced that he was going to have a workout, And it has been so chaotic that there doesn't seem to be one. (laughs) So if you guys know of one or you put together one yourself, tweet it to me, please, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Kaepernick's issuing statements. Nessa, his girlfriend, is tweeting and retweeting statements. The NFL is issuing their own statements. The whole thing's a mess. And why? And let's not get it twisted. Both sides are culpable. In short, the NFL is culpable for seemingly throwing this workout together so haphazardly that this has been chaotic. And Colin, Colin Kaepernick is culpable because for his, in search of clarity, I presume, he, he muddied the situation even farther uh, in terms of the workout. At the workout, I've seen a picture where representatives from the Jets, Redskins, and Chiefs, and that was a, a photo tweeted out by reporter Jordan Rodriguez. And Colin Kaepernick, as you just heard during Marco's update, 
the message to the teams is when you go back, or the scouts, when you go back, tell your owners to stop being scared was the quote. And before he got into that waiting car, he did say that the ball is in their court, ready to go. And then Adam Schefter tweeted at 6.01 tonight. He said, after today's workout in Atlanta, an NFL executive on Colin Kaepernick's throwing session said his arm talent is elite. That's a quote. And is the same as when he came out of college. He said that Kaepernick threw the ball well. So we'll see where this goes. Um, I do have a quarterback guru waiting in the wings to give you his opinion on how it went. Uh, Listen, we're talking football. Colin Kaepernick and his football abilities tonight. So if you have any other stuff, you're going to get dumped. I'm telling you that right now. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. Now, quite honestly, this is the only song that came to mind when I was thinking about the New York sports scene this week. And I sit here kind of sort of laughing to myself. Is it so hard to get a quality team here in New York City? The Big Apple, the crossroads of roads of the world. The city's so nice, they named it twice. I'd like to induct the 2019 class to the McCartan Ring of Fire, the New York Jets, the New York Giants, the New York Knicks, the Brooklyn Nets, the New Jersey Devils, and the New York Rangers into the Ring of Fire because, well, some of them, by the way, in more ways than one, meaning like fire, as in the verb to fire, and in case you're keeping track in Italian, that verb is licenziare. All of these teams, except for the Rangers, have a losing record. The Rangers are at 500. So maybe they're half in the ring there. And the only team exempt in New York from the McCartan Ring of Fire is the New York Islanders. They're 14-3. and three. When was the last time any of our teams started off 14-3 and three besides them? It feels like never. And let's just talk about the top four's actions this week alone. The Jets, despite starting the season at 2-7, and seven, Christopher Johnson gives head coach Adam Gase a shot of confidence that he will finish out not only this year, but next year too. This is the same Christopher Johnson that was also caught on camera telling a fan that he hoped his team showed up before a game one day. So I took to my trusty Twitter poll. I asked, Jets fans, do you trust Douglas Gase and Christopher Johnson to eventually turn these Jets into playoff contenders? And let me tell you, a resounding 91% of you said no, not at all. In the locker room on Monday at the practice facility in Florham Park, Sam Darnold let out the P word. Playoffs. Playoffs. Aren't they already mathematically eliminated from contention for anything other than yet another premier draft pick in the fourth time in four years? There are already signs of a fragmented locker room, and to me, that seems as though Gase has lost it totally. Now this latest fine posting controversy and Twitter rant from Quincy Inunua, who says nothing ever? This, compounded with the Kalecchi Assembly embarrassment and the Jamal Adams rumor debacle, come on, man. And the Giants, the most recent Giants installment, uh, the NFL's premier running back and Saquon Barkley in first pick in everybody's fantasy draft, by the way, was held to one yard on 13 carries versus not the 1985 Bears, as you may have suspected, but the 2019 Jets. Is he or is he not operating at full strength? And therefore, that loss to the lowly Jets places coach Pat Shermer on the hotter seat, not by much, of the New York football coaches. Entering a Week 11 play, the Giants have lost six straight games. Well, I guess that's good news that they have a bye week this week to sit back, relax, and maybe right that ship. And also, they can't lose this week. 
And actually, if the season ended today, in terms of the 2020 NFL draft order, the Giants would be picking third overall, and the Jets would be picking fourth overall. But that's not to be outdone by the Jets' opponents later today, because the Redskins would pick second. Tell me again how the Jets are underdogs in this game. And the Knicks. Oh, the Knicks have had themselves a week, let me tell you. After basically being booed off their home court earlier in the week, the Knicks brass, including Steve Mills, decide that they're going to hold an impromptu press conference to throw their head coach Dave Fisdale under the bus. The same guy that Mills hired May 7, 2018 and signed to a four-year deal. The takeaway from that spur of the moment uh, press conference was that they set out to blame him for their terribly slow start. Newsflash, this roster is not comprised of 1990s Bulls players. Fisdale doesn't even know what hit him. While this was going on, he was in the locker room, you know, coaching his team after they took the L. No, not the L train to the cooler borough Brooklyn, but the loss to the Chicago Bulls. Fast forward to Thursday night, and the Garden was alive for Chris Stops Porzingis' return to the Big Apple. It was electric. They booed him from beginning to end and, of course, cheered on their team. And, man, they gave it to him. KP sucks chant when he was shooting foul shots, when his teammates were shooting foul shots on TV timeouts. Well, you get the picture. In any event, laying that groundwork for Fizdale's firing, that might have to wait. Again, I took to the Twitter poll. It's basically a 49-51 split on whether Fizdale should keep his job or not. And the Nets, oh, the Nets, they're the cool place to play, right? They landed one of, if not the top free agent in Kyrie Irving this offseason. In fact, the Nets beat the Chicago Bulls without, guess who? Kyrie Irving on the court tonight. They must have a really great coach who can get the most out of his players. Or they just have a far superior roster at 5-7. and seven. That must be it. Yet they're so much better off than the Knicks in the NBA standings. Currently, the Knicks sit in last place. But the Nets aren't much farther up. They're only halfway up the chart. And they're tied with two other teams for 7th place. Now, the Astros were certainly thinking big and banging on a trash can. Remember that show, Doug, when we were kids? That's a classic Nickelodeon cartoon. This is one of the most famous songs from it. I thought of this today. I was laughing in my car. I hope you are, too. This MLB cheating thing is like an episode of Black Mirror. And if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've never seen it, it's how the premise is however present technology is slowly but surely infiltrating and ruining our lives. Just like an outfield high zoom camera is slowly and surely ruining the integrity of MLB baseball as we know it. The Red Sox got caught with needing uh, the help of an Apple Watch to beat the Yankees. And Commissioner Manfred said that future violations of this type will be subject to more serious sanctions, including the possible loss of draft picks. I think we can all agree that this is more egregious than that. So what will the punishment be? Oh, and here's another wrinkle. Brand new Mets manager Carlos Beltran, he's being implicated in the investigation himself. As a member of the Houston Astros, there are reports that he was instrumentally involved in the devising of the cheating system. Again, I took to the polls to ask the Mets faithful their level of concern about this, and they kind of bordered between 34% said they are very concerned, and 47% said, who cares? And then the other choices were out of sight, out of mind, and he had nothing to do with it. That garnered, let's say, 19% of the votes. This week, this in a week where their ace collected his second NL Cy Young award in as many years, and their crowd-pleasing player, Pete Alonso, took home Rookie of the Year. And if New York sports has your head spinning, don't worry. We'll settle it all tonight. Let's hit the calls. All's on the table. My very special guest is coming up right after the update. Can't wait to talk with you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan after midnight on The Fan.
And good morning back, everybody, on WFAN from the Mike Francesa studio in Lower Manhattan. I'm Danielle McCartan, your host for tonight, hostess for tonight, really, if you want to get technical here. Um, I, I've been teasing since about 8 o'clock last night this, this surprise guest, um, and it's time to finally reveal who the surprise guest was. So I'm sitting, eating my pizza, watching uh, this Colin Kaepernick thing, uh, this workout that he was doing, and I'm sitting there like... You know, and it's on TV right now. And I'm looking at it like, oh, you know, uh, like I'm watching this and I play Madden and I kind of know what's going on. But then I'm sitting there like, like, who can really help me out with this? Who really knows what they're talking about? So I, I, I digress to the quarterback guru himself, the real one, Phil Sims. So Brian's going to hit play and, and, and here's myself and Phil Sims talking about Colin Kaepernick and, and what he saw from him. And in a second, the computer seems to have frozen. So Phil Sims and I talked about how, you know, Colin Kaepernick, after all this time, he gets this workout finally, you know, 60 minutes south of Manhattan, we, you know, south of Atlanta. And, you know, we, and I, I'm, I have two calls on hold. I see that about Colin Kaepernick. And I already told you guys that we're not talking about anything else other than Colin Kaepernick, the, the football player. And that's kind of how uh, uh, Phil Sims and I kept it. You know, Colin Kaepernick, the football player. What can he do on the field? What did Phil Sims see from him? And I think of anybody, uh, out of anybody, Phil Sims is is the man. He he can he can talk about you know footwork and and placement of balls and and reading of the uh, the, the receivers. And so I thought he would be a great little per- person to reach out to. So. I, uh, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Phil Sims, and this is from like 8.30 tonight. In case you guys live under a rock, Colin Kaepernick had an NFL workout this afternoon near Atlanta, and as much as I like to think I know what I'm talking about, you know, playing Madden and stuff, I knew I needed to consult some professional help. So, let me bring in two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback and a real quarterback guru, Phil Sims. Phil, thanks for joining us tonight. So, last, last minute... It, it's all right, Danielle. Great to talk to you and everything. You, um, what can I say? Well, you're earning your stripes working these kind of shifts, but good stuff. Good, good to talk to you. And yes, I did watch Colin Kaepernick's workout today. So, what did you see? Well, you know, um, I saw. I didn't see anything I didn't know that he has a strong arm, that he's in good shape, but not great football shape. Um, I thought the workout could have been more. You know, I'm I'm that way. I like long, hard workouts where I can just see, you know, all, I wanted to see more movement. Uh, I would have loved to see him run more, stuff like that. He did he did do some movement throws, but, you know, not, not enough for me, not if I'm trying to show off. And quarterbacks, when it's like a pro day for college kids, when they're coming out, it's a day to really show off. So you're ready for that day. And uh, I didn't quite see that, but I did still, of course, I saw enough and know that I'm looking at a pro quarterback, that's for sure. Do you think they played it safe on purpose in a way? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, he did what he did wanted to do. You know, there was nobody from the NFL directing to – I know Hugh Jackson was a um, – supposed to be the guy that conducted the workout but all the changes at last minute so that that took him out of it and i'm sure hugh jackson 
what I said, let's do some things that are very NFL appropriate just to have him do some stuff just to see where he was at. And uh, Colin Kaepernick, I covered him when he played, of course. Mm-hmm. Saw him practice, uh, you know, a few times. Watched him play a few times, all that stuff. And uh, he's impressive. He's always in great shape. You know, I, that's, that's who he is as a person naturally. Uh, he does throw the football, very impressive and all those things. But we're looking at a guy now that there's other issues. Can you work that out with the team if somebody wants to sign you? Will you agree to the money? Will you agree to the status that they give you to start with? Um, you know, there's a lot going on there. And let's don't, let's don't forget, he's been out of the game for quite a while now. And no matter how good you are at any sport, and we see it every year in the NFL, we see it in all sports, it takes a while to get back in shape for the game you're playing and to get sharp where you really can be competitive and give your team a chance to win. Now, do you think he's start angling for a starting quarterback role or more of a backup role? Well, Danielle. Or where, or where no would he chance. even fit? Yeah, there's no way he could be a starter or a backup right away. You know, you got to come in and learn the system. And like I said, you got to get in football shape. Mm-hmm. And I don't care how much you train. It's not like having people running at you, hitting you, being in a pocket, all the stuff that's so quick in the NFL. And, um, you know, I don't know what's going to come out of this workout. I don't know. I heard, you know, they shot a commercial while they were doing it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's a lot of issues. Was it a real workout or was he doing it for just for himself? I I don't know. I I have a lot of mixed, mixed emotions and, you know, I'm a little disappointed because, um, I, I guess I wanted to see it work out. And we'll see where it goes. Uh, it, it's I, I don't have a great feel if anybody's going to call him or not after after today's workout. So how about you know? I mean, maybe I can even hit a throw twenty yards out on an in route. But like, wh- how does that change with a defense in front of him? Like, you know what I mean? Well, everything changes. You know, first off, you know, listen, you got it. There's many phases about being a quarterback. First, I want to see you go out there and have a workout and look like a pro quarterback. And then I want you to come into practice with people all around you and do it, whatever, it's not a game, but then do it then, and then you assimilate yourself in the game. So I I think it's pretty easy to see, and I didn't even have to see the workout today to know this, uh, that, look, he's big, he's going to be mobile by quarterback standards, uh, and he he definitely is a power thrower. Does he have great touch? No, but – uh, he is a power thrower. He can make throws that that puts him in that top group of guys who can, you know, make a special throw when the coverage is tight or deep down the field in between receive, uh, defenders, things like that. He could do that when he played. And um, if he did catch on with the team here at the end of the year, it would give him a chance to really get in shape as a professional QB and then give him a chance to really come and compete, probably not for a starting job, but to be on the team, and then, as we've seen this year, it breaks. There's many breaks happening for backup quarterbacks. So, you know, I, I don't know. But I think the only thing that would please the vast majority of or a group of people, if you sign him now and you start him immediately or think that he's ready to start, and that's just not realistic in the NFL. Now, Phil, in terms of his sharpness, and, and like you kind of alluded to, but when I was eating my pizza before I turned it on, and he had four consecutive go-routes, three were overthrown, one was underthrown. Is that like a microcosm of a bigger 
problem or is it just that's how it was? No, listen, me, it, when I see those things, and I, like I said, I saw them, and it, on a scale of 1 to 10, it meant zero to me. I mean, in fact, I, I was impressed with the overthrows. They were very high, and they dropped straight down. That's what you want to see. Mm-hmm. And those, I don't know who his friends were or who was running those routes. I haven't found that out. They're not professional wide receivers. I don't know how much they've worked together. But uh, that, that is not something I would really gauge and think anything about. I know some people tweeted it. I talked to somebody that was there. They said, well, he missed some guys down the field and this and that. And I was just thinking, you know, wow, I really don't care, and that means nothing to me. The fact that he can launch it in the air high and long was more important if he hit some guy who's not playing in professional football, didn't get there to catch it. So right. um, I, I, I think if, if you're in the business, you watch it, it's easy to draw a lot of conclusions, and I think uh, hopefully if I explained a few of them to you tonight. Yeah, and just one other question. My, one, I guess my final question would be, I mean, one of the confirmed scouts I saw a pitcher tweeted was a, a Jets scout. Now, with Sam Darnold, is that cause for concern for Jets fans or or no? I, I don't hear anybody from the Jet organization has any doubts about Sam Darnold, and it's way too early to, to make that judgment. And I think overall we saw uh, um, spots of stuff that really excited us late last year. Mm-hmm. And we've seen some moments, and even last week against the Giants, you go, okay, that's the guy we drafted but we thought was going to be a franchise quarterback. So if a Jet scout was there, then you know what? Good for the Jets. You should have had somebody there. It's professional football. A player's working out. Let's go see if what he's about. Can he help our team in any way? And if a Jet Scout was there, they weren't looking at him going like, we got to go find another quarterback. They're looking to do evaluations and stay on top of everybody that's out there available to sign, regardless of the position. And, hey, maybe they go, hey, it would be great to bring in a big athletic quarterback if they want to do that to back up Sam Darnold. But Sam Darnold, no matter how he plays the rest of the year, Danielle, he will be the starting quarterback for the New York Jets in 2020. So uh, so there's no cause for concern. Uh, I commend teams that went there to watch it, and the teams that didn't go, well, you should have just to evaluate because that's what you do uh, as a front office person in the NFL. Well, Phil, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Short notice, great insight as always, and thank you. Well, Danielle, thank you, and uh, it's always great to talk to you. And... Um, I don't know what else to say. Keep the energy high. Not easy to do sometimes at night. I'm getting old, so I fade fast. So uh, I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. And so that was my talk with Phil Sims. And some takeaways for me was, um, first of all, thanks again to Phil Sims. I know he said he's, he, he texted me later and he said he was, he was hoping he'd be dreaming by this point. But in case you're listening, Phil, thank you again for doing that such short notice. And um, so a couple things I took away from that was the workout itself, Phil Sims says, it was not enough for me, not if I'm trying to really show off, you know, as a player, my skill set. Um, and he said no way he would be a starter as a backup right away. And I don't care how much you train, was the quote, and then I paraphrased the rest of it. It doesn't replicate game speed. So, Blaze in New Jersey, you're on the fan. Hello? Okay, he's gone. Okay, D in Queens, you're on the fan. This is the thing. I saw the workout. Colin Kaepernick could play. 
But for all the people who are going to call in who dislike or hate Colin Kaepernick or even like him, ask yourself this question. How honest or truthful has the NFL ever been? Or how trustworthy are they? You know, look at the pass interference rule right now where they're, you know, they're doing their best to undercut the rule they implemented. Can you really trust the NFL in anything they say? Let's take it that way. No matter what you think of Colin Kaepernick, can you trust the NFL? Well, you look at That's Pat, my biggest thing. You look at Pat Shermer's challenge history on, on the pass interference, and it hasn't gone well for him and, and for the rest yeah, of the coaches. And there was blatant exactly, ones yeah. in that Patriots game, where, which were ridiculous. And it's like the NFL does everything shady, everything in a very cynical way. So take what you think about Colin Kaepernick off the thing. Whatever, you know, you can hate him, love him. Look at the NFL. Even NFL teams are like, yo, what the hell is this? Our scouts are not even around because they're looking at the college dudes. Teams are preparing for Sunday. Like, everything about this seems bad. It just seems rushed. Thanks for the call. It just seems very rushed. You know, they had three years to get this together, and it came together in a week. I don't know. And I, I wouldn't go in saying the NFL is shady. I mean, there are some things, and that's not shady, the fact that they, they can't uh, seem to get the pass interference call right. That, that's not a shady thing. That, maybe that wasn't the right word. Let's head out to Brooklyn. And, Rob, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Daniel. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I'm just going to stick to Colin, the football player. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, he, he could obviously play the game. This workout, to me, doesn't – mean anything because short notice like um phil said who was the receivers was he was right. he, his friends was his high school guys you, mm-hmm. you don't know all that right and like the last call to say it just seemed to me like it was just a pr stunt he's not even if he gets <clears throat> somebody signs him right now he's not going to compete for a starting job and you know he what team is going to sign him and throw him in there he doesn't know the playbook it's the midway part of the season. Even he would even be hard pressed even to get us a backup job at this point because he doesn't know the playbook. Well, yeah, I think I think I think we could all understand that he would be playing at least for twenty twenty. This, I mean, this this workout today just it, it, what it did was it got him the audience he wanted. It, it got the video out to everybody. It got. Yeah, but the, the, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I, I'm just going to say, you know, they, he has some video out, and if you see him, you know, like Phil said, being in shape is not the same as being in football shape, but the man looks like he's in shape. He does. I agree. But, it, you know, just uh, it just has all the feeling of a PR stunt. Because, look, if a team is really interested or, or was interested in Colin, you bring him in in the beginning of preseason, you let him compete, give him a chance to get the playbook, learn, you know, because this is just not – just not realistic. I mean, the question is: Can as just stick, as a football player? Yes, he could play the game. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's a good quarterback. Is he Joe Montana? No, but is he is. Could he lead a team? Obviously, he's he's got a resume. He's led a team to the Super Bowl. So the man could play. But I, I just personally think it's just too much of distraction. Even though he said, I think the beginning of the season or sometime in the last year or two that he his kneeling is over, so that's gone. But it's still, so much distraction around him. Right? Do you want? You know, you it will have to be like like the Patriots, like with with Belichick. You know, he can control not everybody, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, I know. This this set up the team. You know what I mean? So it, it will have to be something like that. But it's, I think personally that Collins should just fade in the background. I, I think his career of playing in the league might be over. But I think if he lets a couple years go by, maybe he could come back. Maybe as an assistant. 
you know, a special advisor right. to a team. Robin, like that. I hate to do this to you, but we're up against but, the but break. Thank you, Dave. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thanks. Um, and, and obviously, we'll talk way more after the break. 877-337-6666. Welcome back, everybody, to, I guess it, we're going to call it McCartan After Midnight. It's sticking, officially, uh, on WFAN. Let's load up the calls, 877-337-6666. And um, we have a lot to talk about tonight. I feel like this is going to be a very fast show tonight. I'm here with you until 6 a.m. Got some Knicks calls on hold, so, so let's do some Knicks. And I know there's a Kaepernick on hold, too, so I will get there. I, don't hang on. I will get there, okay? Um, so let, let's talk some Knicks. In the open, I said, well, the Knicks had themselves a week. Um, and they did. I mean, it has gone like up and down and up and down on a roller coaster ride. This Knicks team this week, um, he was David Fisdale was absolutely thrown under the bus by his team president Steve Mills and his GM Scott Perry. I get it. The Knicks are historically bad. They had an 18 point loss to the Bulls on Tuesday, preceded by a 21 point loss to the Cavaliers on Sunday. The the Knicks tied a franchise record for the most losses through 11 games. And my takeaway from that press conference was to put the blame on Fisdale's coaching and his ability to not make this roster competitive on a nightly basis. And reports are that 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 Steve Mills is, this is a quote, selling James Dolan, uh, Dolan on the fact that this team should be more successful than it is, that the issue must be with the coaching. Now, while this is all t- taking place, Fisdale was in the locker room addressing the team after the game, you know, coaching his team, as they're out there talking to the media, and, and that is just so bad. That's a bad look. That's setting your coach up to fail. And not to mention in, in that Bulls game where, where the team was basically booed off the court, the Knicks committed 18 turnovers. And at the time of that game, they were dead last in field goal percentage. They ranked 29th in points per game. And Fisdale isn't the one on the court putting up those numbers. The player should be held somewhat accountable as well. I know he's diagramming the plays. I get it. I coach. You, you have to put your players in the best position to succeed. But sometimes, uh, sometimes you, you just have to make do with what you have. And I've been there. But you just you do the best you can. And, and, and what I look to then is the player reaction. Does the coach have the support of the locker room? Or is there a mutiny going on? Because I think there's a mutiny going on in the Jets locker room based on the tweets and, and the takes uh, from, from some of the players. But for the Knicks, I think it's a different story. Because after that game, the Chicago Bulls game, you had three players go on record. And, and Bobby Portis, it was a longer quote, but what I took away from it was, I think that we played hard for coach, and that's all we asked for. R.J. Barrett saying that you've got 10 guys that have not played together at all, and me, who hasn't even been in the league yet, you got to keep pushing. You got to stay together. Fizdale is up to the challenge. We believe in him. We're all in with him. Okay. And then Taj Gibson says he, he's trying to pull us toward a victory in, in different ways. And at the same time, we've been coming up short. We just have to do a lot better. And it's not on him, it's on us too. He's been trying to will us wins, and it's been going the opposite way of, as of late. So it's important to note that everybody acknowledged that Fizdale should not be the only one criticized here. At least he has the support of his locker room. And when you have that as a coach, it speaks volume volumes about you. CJ, Mount Holly, you're on the fan. 
All right, Danielle, you pretty much said all I was going to say about the Knicks. You know what? It's more the way the roster's made up. There was one player, though, I'd like to know more about. I think this is a swing player. He could go either way. He possibly could be a legitimate NBA point guard, nothing more than a nice attempt man. What's your impression about Dennis Smith Jr.'s potential if he's really healthy? He had trouble getting to basketball shape this year, but do you think he potentially has some type of future or not? Yeah, CJ, thanks for calling. I know you haven't waited on hold for a long time. Dennis Smith Jr. is is intriguing to me. Dennis Smith Jr. brings um, an energy to the team. You saw it in the Mavericks game. I mean, he brings an energy to the team that maybe they were missing. I, I mean, I don't know. He came over in the trade for Por- Porzingis um, in, in January. So they got the Knicks got Kristaps Porzingis sent out to the Davis Ma- Dallas Mavericks in exchange for a couple others and Dennis Smith Jr. and two first-round draft picks. So I don't. I, I'm. I'm still out on him, CJ. I, I'm not exactly sure what he is, but I think he's got a great opportunity here in New York because the Knicks are kind of, sort of starving for a. Uh, how did I say this? Uh, for a point guard, because obviously R.J. Barrett is not the point guard. I, I, what the most exciting play to me? I mean, I didn't watch the Knicks game tonight. I was obviously doing other things um, in in preparation for tonight, but. I watched very intently the Dallas Mavericks game. And, man, there were two plays that stuck out to me from Dennis Smith Jr., which makes me think he's sort of the real deal. Because this was in the second quarter. R.J. Barrett broke his defender's ankles and pounds it in for two points. Finishes with the right hand after driving from the top of the key, right? The garden exploded. The very next possession... Dennis Smith Jr. tosses up an alley-oop to Robinson. The place, the roof was blown off the place. That was the first play. Then there was a a Barrett in the quarter three shot a three-pointer. R.J. Barrett shot a three-pointer. It kind of hit back rim and kind of, you know, came out towards the foul line. Dennis Smith Jr., mid-air catch, smashed it down. That's exciting, and that's an athletic play. So I think... I think Dennis Smith Jr. might might be a real deal. He's shown flashes, and he's got a great opportunity to run the point here in New York. We'll see. Let's head out to Long Island. Dan, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. I, I know you said you didn't see the game tonight, but I, I have to just make a comment. And and the defense of Fizdia, I think you were giving a half-through defense of him that it's not all his fault. And I, and I probably agree with that. However... They lost by one tonight, right? I, I think I saw. Yeah, they did. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Was it overtime or, or four quarters? No, four quarters. Okay. They they caught they coughed up a fifteen point lead. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, Graham goes to twenty nine points. Let's talk about Graham for a second for the Hornets, right? Second round pick, mm-hmm. right? Young player. The Hornets are playing young guys all over the court, by the way. Yeah. He has twenty six points. He's the guy they're going to go to the front for the final shot. Uh, Nick, uh, Frank goes out. And he gets, and you know, he's a ball chaser. He chases off the screen. He leaves Graham. Graham comes up the court, gets the ball, hits a running three-pointer, and they win the game. That's how they lost. Now, wow. is, is, it, is it possible that Fisdale says, hey, he's like, Frank's our best defender, right? You can't, we, he can't shoot the ball. I have to, I hope he says that. 
Let me ask you another question. Uh, yeah, wait, that, wait, that, I'm, I'm just wondering if there was any. I, I mean, I didn't see the play, and I, I could look at it on the break. But was there any help defense? Was there anybody as a safety behind? No, it was, it was it was a set play. He comes, he comes, he, comes he, he, inbound, he inbounds the ball, comes running off the screen, full court, at, at like a hundred miles an hour, yeah. catches the ball. Frank Frank runs to the guy who has the ball, but I, I, again, I can't imagine Fisdale did. I, I hope he told him to defend him. Now let me tell you the bigger part. Mm. Okay. Wayne Ellington doesn't play all night tonight, okay? RJ's having a great fourth quarter. Any of the other people who are holding online who watch the game will have to admit RJ had a great fourth quarter. We have 2.6 seconds to get a shot in, all right? I guess we're running some type of set play. RJ's on the bench. Wayne Ellington, who hasn't taken a, who hasn't shot the ball since halftime during warm-ups, hasn't played all night, he comes in for the final set. Listen, mm. Danielle, here's my knock on Fizzy. Of course, I'm not in the locker room. And of course, Perry has to take responsibility. Mills has, you know, this this disjointed roster makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Alonzo Tra- Trier gets a DNP on Thursday night. He gets a DNP again tonight. Look at Knox's minutes. He didn't get a lot of minutes tonight. I, you know, Cleveland came in and kicked our butts last week with a young team, a bunch of kids, right? Beeline's in there coaching them up. God bless him. He's doing a great job. Charlotte came in tonight. They outcoached us. They dropped, they, they dropped into a zone in the third quarter, put us on our heels. They come in with a bunch of kids. I thought that we were rebuilding. Why am I watching Bobby Portis? Why, am I, why are these guys taking minutes to see is Tria a player or not? Is, you know, is, um, is, you know, I, know, I know Dennis Smith's come back from an injury, so we've got to watch his minutes. Obviously, Robinson's coming back from the concussion protocol, so we've got to watch his minutes. But the, I thought, that we were being sold on a young team. Let's rebuild it. Brett Zakis hasn't played. I don't know the last time I've seen the kid play. I think the blowout against Clinton came out for three minutes. My, my point is, I don't know if Fisdale was like, hey, I was brought in here to coach Porzingis and KD, and you didn't give me that. So I, you know, I'm not equipped to bring a young team along. I don't know, but I think anyone who defends him and, and doesn't acknowledge that he has had a poor start to this season is not a true Knicks fan. Everything's not Dolan's fault, fans. I know you all want to hate Dolan out there. <laughs> Everything's not his fault. Okay. Okay. Thanks. And I yeah. okay, have a great night. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Um, and and I even went back to Fisdale and and what went wrong with the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies. I I tried to figure it out. I mean, he had a four ninety five winning percentage with with Memphis, and he went to the playoffs in the first year with the team. Right now, in his first two years, or throughout his first season in a couple games with the Knicks. He's got a 266 winning percentage and looks like they're going to be missing. I mean, barring some miracle, they're going to miss the playoffs for the second time in, in the two years that he's been here. And the Knicks haven't made the playoffs since 2013. And what I got, I mean, I didn't, I didn't gather much really. Um, why was he fired in Memphis? I mean, he had a, obviously a disagreement with um, Gasol. I mean, he was he is a player's coach, right? But he alienated his star. And and that's a good point to say, like, oh, well, was he brought in here on the promise of Porzingis and and yeah, I forget the other guys. <laughs> but what oh and, and bringing in KD and bringing in a free agent, because the Knicks as everybody knows, had the cap space for a big name free agent. They just didn't land one. So I uh, I don't know. I, I don't think this is on any one person. This is this is a combustion uh, on all levels. Of the Knicks, the coaching staff, the players, uh, and and beyond, and all the way up the chain. 
all the way up the chain to to the the ownership, the GM. I mean, how are you having a press conference while your coach is in the locker room with the players? How are you holding a press conference saying like, you know, this is this isn't where we want to be right now? Sit him up there on the stage with you at least. Have a dialogue. Have that's like a Brody Van Wagenen word. Have a dialogue. Have a conversation with the guy. It seems as though they're not they're operating as if they they're not even talking to each other. And you you can't do that. And it's not I'm not trying to defend Fisdale because a two sixty six winning percentage doesn't cut it for me either. But it's not his fault that they traded Porzingis and you saw all the nice things he had to say about him that Fisdale had to say about Porzingis. And it's not anybody's fault that they didn't get Zion. They just didn't win the lottery. The Knicks were just unlucky. And as far as Zion and R.J. Barrett, well, Zion's hurt. At least R.J. Barrett is, is producing right now. And Fisdale, he's managing the fifth youngest roster in the entire NBA. Nine new players. I, I I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of sold on him. But when when you look at the players in the locker room and they're saying good things about him, I mean they're going out of their way to say good good things about him. You got to trust in that. I think. I don't know. That's just go, going off my own coaching experience. So let's talk some more Knicks. I have some more Kaepernick up next. Yankees hired a pitching coach. If anybody cares, we'll go over that. And I definitely want to get to the Astros cheating scandal because that. I think is is more impactful than than what everybody's leading on to. Um, I think baseball may change it's the sport as we know it. So more calls after the break. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan. Good morning, everybody. Back with Danielle McCartan here on WFAN Radio in New York, New York. It is cold outside. My lips are burning, and I cannot find my chapstick. Well, Blistex. I, I just bought a brand new one for like nine dollars, and I can't find it. So that's, that's the problem I'm having right now. Um, we just were having a nice little conversation about the Knicks and, and their problems. And I, you know, there's a lot to talk about with the Knicks. And it's it's multi-layered and it's vested in, in years and years and years of this, really. It seems to be ongoing and ongoing with the Knicks. And just to finish up that conversation from before or even to spark some more phone calls, um, I saw a report come out or a quote or something that said that Nick's brass doesn't think that Anthony Davis fits in their long-term plan. I mean, first of all, Anthony Davis can fit anywhere. So number one, I'm not totally buying that. But maybe the Knicks didn't fumble this altogether. One, Anthony Davis has publicly stated that he wanted to play in L.A. or New York. Two, Anthony Davis has a player option after this season. What does that mean? That means he can decide... If he wants to stay in L.A. one more year or sign a new contract somewhere else. L.A. gave up a ton for him. It's sort of like if he opts out, he's in in essence a rental player. So beating that offer obviously would have totally depleted the New York roster beyond him. It would have just been him. It might as well just play one on five. So the other thing is, would Anthony Davis be happy here in New York after this roller coaster, inconsistent to say the least season, doubt it. So the Knicks, they need to get it together and get it together fast. Entice him, who's in his prime, to come here next season. Dangle RJ Barrett out there and his hopeful development. And dangle another 
potentially very high draft pick in 2020. That sounds like a, a three impact players. I mean, maybe we're really reaching for it, but but is that a win? Is that a win for the Knicks long term? Nelson, you said you were on the BQE. I can't imagine you're still on the BQE. I almost home, almost home. All right, what do you got? <laughs> good, good morning. Well, the biggest disservice that happened with that press conference is the fact that now Fisdale feels that he needs to win. Yeah. So they're taking away valuable minutes on the development of all these young players. They're getting VMPs, just play the young guys. The veterans, you know what? You know, keep them on the bench. We're not going to win anyway. So what's the freaking point? You know. Well, that's the problem. Um, that, that's the problem that the, the ownership doesn't think that way. I mean, everybody sees it. We all see it. But the the front office, I mean, they don't see it that way. You you see the Nets. I mean, they have a great roster, better than the Knicks. They won three more games than the Knicks. So come on, guys. You know? Not, I know. I, I said that in the open. They're, they're, the <laughs> Nets aren't that much better than the Knicks in, in the standings. I have- I have one last point. It's not related. Um, the player that went from the Nets to the Warriors, uh, D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell. Russell D'Angelo name? Russell. He is a beast. Yeah. I mean, I think they have now. They have a four-headed monster now. When they all get healthy, watch out. That though they, their 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 demise was was very premature. They'll be back better than than before. And, you know, I I everybody thought he was going to be staying and, and thanks for the call Nelson Every, everybody thought D'Angelo Russell was going to be staying and and what really gets me is that how he campaigned for the big free agents to come and then Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant both come and they ship him out I mean that that was kind of not nice to do with him but uh, his contract he signed a four year I'm sure he's doing fine first of all I think anyway I don't know him but he signed a four year deal worth 118 million dollars um I think I'd be okay with that. He's going to be set to be an uh, unrestricted free agent in 2023 at 27 years old. So it's, he's 23 years old, and he's making $28 million this year. Um, I'd be okay with that. Eddie in Gardena, California. Ooh, that's the farthest one tonight. How are you? Good. How are you? How's that cold weather? I heard 32 degrees. And oh, I yeah. Was... It's cold. Man, Terrible. 32 <laughs> It's it's a it's a really frigid fifty nine here tonight. Oh wow! So I, hope, I hope you I, uh, wore your your flannel sheets or flannel pajamas tonight. I actually had to put on a long sleeve t shirt tonight. So I'm really <laughs> freezing. All right, what do you have for us today? That was a cool interview with Phil Sims. That was thank um, you. That was good. Yeah, he's um, a great guy. As far as Colin Kaepernick, though, he touched on a lot of things I was going to say when I was holding on. Yeah. Like it's you really can't gauge a guy on. An open field and no defense and mm-hmm. nobody coming at you, nobody defending the receivers. But at the same time, couldn't he just schedule his own workout if he wanted to? I mean, he's got a big agent. It's not like he's on his own. You would think that he would be able to schedule a workout and get, you know, like receivers. A, a couple, yeah, like, hey, Calvin Johnson, you're retired. Can you help me out? He's you know, worked out with Odell Beckham, too, in the past. Exactly. I mean, Terrell Owens, like, he went out on his front lawn and did push ups and sit ups and the media showed up. I'm sure the media would show up for Colin Kaepernick. So I just, you know, I think it was, he could have did it himself. If he really wants to get back in the league, he could have did it the right way and, you know, had a proper workout and not thrown it together. And, you know. Yeah. And, and, and the Colin, the Colin Kaepernick thing, and thanks for the call. And thanks for holding Eddie. The Colin Kaepernick uh, retractors, I guess. Would say that, oh, well, you know, he was set to have a real workout with the NFL, but the NFL 
decided that they didn't, that it was going to be on their terms and he wanted him on his terms and et cetera, et cetera. So I was thinking the same thing as I was driving in and I was like, you know, I was replaying a video back in my mind of what I watched. And, and I was like, you know what? Like this, he, he has been doing this and he's been just posting it online. I mean, like, he, like, like you said, Eddie, the media would show up no matter where he is. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really don't know. Chris in Orlando, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Uh, from one bad basketball team to a bad <laughs> New York football team. Which one? Transition. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, the Jets. Um, oh, the Jets. You know what? I'm not a gambling guy, but it's something sneaky. Because, I mean, how the Jets, I mean, you could take, if you do a draft of 10 players, you would probably say 7 out of 10 players that play today would go Jets before the Washington Redskins. I mean, they got so much more talent than Washington. To be an underdog on the road, I don't get it. I know. I, I was a little I, perplexed, too. I was like, oh, am I looking at this the right way? <laughs> I know. I mean, at the end of the day, Haskins, I mean, that guy looks horrible. Uh, his only few games he's played. I got one Miles Garrett point. I'll let you go, Danielle. Yeah. If if Miles Garrett was a third-string uh, rusher, you know, coming for an injury, He'd be cut by now. Do you think uh, Mr. Mara or Mr. Rooney or even uh, uh, Belichick got, you know, if it, this guy was on those, any of those teams, do you think that they would have not cut him by now? I mean, he, they would have cut him Monday morning. I mean, I just don't understand how this guy still has a job. Uh, I, I mean, everybody deserves a second chance, but Cleveland, in my mind, should have let him go and, you know, take a suspension and then apply for a new job. You know, everybody deserves a second chance, but Cleveland's got to set an example. And the only reason why they didn't cut him is because he's not a special teamer and he's their number one pick. And I think it's just greed. It, Chris, and that's that's the fault in your logic. I follow the logic. I obviously I wanted Mason Rudolph to to press charges against him. And I know there's a lot of police officers listening, and and I, I thought. Uh, and I'll get back to what I was just about to say, but I, I thought that a sneaky way to circumvent all this would be for Mason Rudolph to um, to file the assault charges against him and then, as a result, get a restraining order. Huh? How's that? How's that? And then so that means that Miles Garrett can't play against him. But my cousin, who's a police officer, said that's not exactly how that works like that. So, um, But the, the problem with the last caller's logic was the fact that you're looking to the Cleveland Browns to set an example for the league. And if the Cleveland Browns set the example for the league, that means everybody else has to fall in line behind that. You can't have this Bill Belichick swoop it in and steal on him. And unfortunately, because he was such a coveted, you know, draft pick, a coveted player, yeah, he's he has staying power, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately because he assaulted a man. If you ever picked up an actual football helmet, an authentic one, they're heavy. And to be cracked over the head with that after just being unconscious on a field not long ago, I mean, he's lucky that that he didn't get hurt. Or if he didn't hit it, if he hit him in the wrong way, I mean, what if he hit him in the temple, knocked him out cold, and and he died? I I know we're extrapolating this out a little bit, but it's all possible so assault with a weapon i don't know i i I, you know 
I hate to say the word bounty gate, but Juju Smith-Schuster, he is on my free league fantasy team. And he was out he he was out with a concussion. Got me 4.1 points. Helmet to helmet contact. Two receivers got concussions. Connor was a shoulder again. And Mason Rudolph just got blows to the head. Nothing was called. So uh, Johnson bled from the ear on his helmet-to-helmet hit. And this is somebody sending me this on Twitter. So I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm saying like, okay, I know NFL. I know football is rough. But that seems a little suspicious to me. And I think maybe if it is, in fact, a bounty gate sort of thing, maybe we'll never know. Maybe Miles Garrett, as the rookie or second-year player, young player, didn't totally grasp the concept of it. I don't know. But as far as I'm concerned, if I was Mason Rudolph, I would have absolutely pressed assault charges against him and see where it went. You just can't do that. You cannot do that to another human being. I'm sorry. And and can you imagine and think of it this way? That that last caller flipped it um, on Miles Garrett. But what if that was Tom Brady? What if that was Aaron Rodgers? Kidding me? I mean, I, I do believe there's a d- double standard in the league in terms of quarterbacks. I mean, come on. Look at, look at the pass interference calls that some quarterbacks get versus others. Some roughing the passers that some quarterbacks get over others. And if that was any of the, the coveted guys at the quarterback position, my God. You would have seen swift-er, stern-er action being taken. Speaking of that, I think the MLB needs to take some action um, and fast about what's going on with this cheating scandal coming out of Houston. I'll give you my take on that um, in in a few seconds after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. I'm back. I'm Danielle McCartan on WFAN Radio in New York City, Lower Manhattan, on this very cold January-like night here in November, November 17th it is now. Um, I know this isn't a New York sports thing, but this cheating scandal coming out of Houston, I think, is way more widespread than than we think it is. Um and and if you haven't heard it, uh, well, I, I'll summarize it really quick for you. Um, the fact came out and videos have been posted all over the internet that the Houston Astros, and we'll get into maybe after the break, um, Carlos Beltran's involvement in it. Um, the Houston Astros were using a very sophisticated way to, I'll use the word cheat. They They were cheating. And what happened was, it seems to be that there was a camera, like a telescopic lens camera placed somewhere in the outfield, and it would relay the feed to a, a TV in in the tunnel, in the dugout, and somebody would be hitting a garbage can um, to tip off the batter as to which pitch was coming. And initially thought, and we can load this up after the break, but initially thought was just, you know, a tap on the uh, a tap a, a, a bang on a garbage can meant it was going to be an off speed pitch. No bang meant it was going to be a fastball. Basically, it, I, I found a video from Max Wildstein. I'll give him credit because obviously credit is due. On Twitter, he put together this video of a Carlos Beltran at bat in 2017, and 
it takes it had bad versus Chris Archer pitch by pitch. And we'll play for you after the break. We have but we have one bang is equal to a slider, two bangs on a garbage can man change up, one slider, and then the, the final pitch of the at bat was no bang and it was a fastball. And I played once, and I know that having an advantage like that is huge at the plate. Obviously, whoever is conveying that to you needs to obviously know for sure what's coming because it can't be like a false, you know, false narrative there. But if you know what's coming, you can load up on a fastball. If you know it's, and then the only decision that you have to make, see, as a batter, you have to make a decision, location and speed. So if you can eliminate one of those two factors, speed being what would be eliminated, if you can eliminate the speed of a pitch, because you know what the speed is going to be, of course that's going to improve your, your accuracy at the plate. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. And anybody arguing differently is is ridiculous. Shout out to Washington Heights. Hector, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? Good. How are you, Hector? I'm good. Uh, quick question, then, before I make my comment on this whole Houston. Yeah. Were you, did you, um, like, screen calls before a couple of years back, maybe, on the overnight, before you did the, the hosting? Uh, what was it? Did you screen calls? Like, were you a call screener on the fan? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear what you said, screen. No, I never did, no. Ah, okay, okay. No, cause I, I know there was uh, you know, maybe I used to screen calls, but I don't hear a screening anymore. I thought maybe that was you. That switched over, but yes, oh. not. Brian says Kara Ann was the one that maybe you were thinking of. Ah, okay. Right. <laughs> I just haven't heard her in a while. Yeah, right. I haven't even so met far. her. But so, so no, it wasn't me. But so, what do you have? Astros, right? Cool, cool. Yes, yes. No, on this whole thing, I mean, I've seen a lot of the videos like you have and all that. But my whole thing is like, you know, we all and listen. As a Mets fan, whatever, yeah, I wouldn't want Beltran involved in all of this, but obviously he happens to be. And I'm not a fan of the Astros. Like, I don't like the whole analytics thing, team ever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not going to defend them, but I just want to play devil's advocate. Sure. And, you know, we hear, we see, you know, I've seen the whole videos and the banging and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it's said that they have video, and that's how they get the, the signs. But there's really been no evidence of a video camera or, or of them actually looking into a monitor or anything like that. So my question is, if for some reason, which is hard to believe that it could happen, <laughs> they're actually stealing these signs without the aid of a camera or anything like that. How? And they just... How? I, no, 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 I, yeah, I know. It, like, maybe someone on the field, maybe a first base coach, third base coach gets a peek and they, they you know, it, like, listen... <laughs> my just my question is more. My question more is: to, Would it be a big of an outrage if there was no video involved or anything like that, but they were still doing the banging and all that stuff to relay the sign? I think. Would I think. What, yeah, I think what people bad? have a problem with it is the fact that they're using the technology to gain an advantage, and I think that if, the technology, right? Yeah. If if you're on second base and you're looking into the catcher and you're, and, you're, and you see the sign that he puts down and you do a little hand signal to the dugout, I mean, it's still not. Right, but at least it's like gamesmanship. It's not cheating at that point. It's gamesmanship. Right, right, right. No, no. Yeah, like I said, it's, I find it hard to believe that they would be able to do it without the video. Yeah, and nobody on base. So, I mean, the, the you know, timing it, of it is just so bang bang. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's why I, I also don't. That's what makes it hard for me to like fathom. It's like how are they getting these signals so fast? 
so fast yeah. to be able to, to put out, you know, it's just incredible. But you know, whatever it is, I, I hope they're caught. I hope the, punish, the punishment is, 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 is severe because you know, as a fan, the last thing I want, even when people say, oh, this game is fixed, like for gambling purposes, stuff like that bothers me. Like yeah. I always tell my friends, like, I don't like to think about stuff like that because I love sports. Yeah. You know, I had dream of playing professional baseball. You know what I mean? And I never thought about cheating or anything like that. Ruins it, doesn't and it? And just as a fan now watching, I don't want to watch something where people are fixing outcomes or, or mm-hmm. cheating to get, a, a, you know, to win. Like, I, I, you know, I don't want to deal with that in sports. You know, you you sit down and watch a game and enjoy you just it. want to see the best team win. Yep, <laughs> and, exactly. and enjoy it, right? Exactly. Yep. exactly. Yeah, Hector, and, so, and thanks I mean, for the call. I appreciate that. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. So, I mean, now I, I, the, the MLB is on a precipice, right, because of this sh- cheating scandal. We're on the precipice of something here in Major League Baseball, the sport of baseball. Because, I, like we were just talking about, Hector and I, that we all agree that technology has advanced well par- past this traditional. I'm going to steal your sign because you pull the brim of your cap before you put your slider type of competitive edge. This is exceeding this. This is flat-out cheating. The timing of this, and you, you have sure you've seen the videos online. The timing of it is is it, it's just it one it's not coincidence, and two the timing is just too too fast. So what the MLB can do, I thought about, and this is a little different than what everybody's been talking about. Obviously, what what can the MLB do about it? I came up with three things. One, and the MLB can allow everyone to do it. Legalize the use of outfield cameras. I think because it's I think it's way more prevalent than we think it is with just this one Astros team, this one Astros or even a season full of Astros incidents. I think it's way more widespread because have you seen the video? I forget who posted it of Kristen Yelich doing it. Christian Yelich doing the same thing. Home game, Milwaukee. He's looking into the outfield at what? What is he looking at? So this sounds well beyond the Astros. And they're just the ones dumb enough to get caught. So that was the first suggestion the MLB can do. Just legalize it for everybody. Two, which I don't think would happen. Two, they could change the way the signs are given. Okay, this is is probably making a baseball purist's ears bleed, but forget about the pitcher and catcher giving the signs the traditional way, painting their nails, you know, whatever. Introduce a new position, a new coach that's going to sit in that tunnel Watch the monitors and give the pitcher and catcher through an earpiece the type and location of the pitch. So, you know, uh, hi, I'm quality control coach, Daniel McCartan, Garrett Cole, slider, up and in. Or even quadrants. As a coach, we do quadrants, one, two, three, four. So slider, quadrant four. And the pitcher and catcher both know what's go- what to expect so that they can set up and, and do it. So through that earpiece, they might be able to get away with that. Because no one could even possibly see or hear the pitch selection, right? Theoretically, of course, if the room is bugged, (laughs) uh, that's another story. And then the third way, you know, as Hector was saying, you got to penalize this team so harshly that no other team would even think to do it. And if they are doing it, they're going to clean it up. You take away draft picks. And I... I'm authoritative, authoritarian, I think the word is. Black and white for me. It's it's black or it's white. There's no gray. So take away the gray area here. 
One, you take away their draft picks. Two, what if you disallowed him from playing in the postseason? That probably won't happen, but maybe if they go over the luxury tax, you make them pay double, triple, quadruple the tax so that it makes their competition better. It hurts them in that way. So I I like the combination of taking away the draft picks, number one, and really banging them on the, no no pun intended, on the the luxury tax. Because the taking away of the draft picks over the course of a few years, let's not get that twisted, over the course of a few years, they're going to be getting their first, second, and third round picks taken away. That would hurt them. If they go over the luxury tax and make them pay double, triple, quadruple, whatever, that would make the other teams around them better. So it's like a double whammy. Because if this whole thing, if they're found guilty, which I do think they are, this might have spurned an, a, a new generation of, of dishonest people that are now managers throughout the league. Obviously, A.J. Hinch is involved. Eric's, Alex Cora was involved when he was part of the Astros as a bench coach. And Carlos Beltran was also involved. The new manager of the Mets, Carlos Beltran, was also involved in this as a member, as a player on the Houston Astros. And I I just think that it's going on more than we think it is, and it needs to be put to rest. And, And if all else fails, I thought of this idea. Maybe baseball, MLB, needs to have, we can call them, a quality enforcement agent in each ballpark on those game days checking for this stuff. Independent, works for the league, not for any team. Or maybe they should have a team employee of the other team walking around with this. I'm thinking like make like a little uh, squad of, let's talk maybe a, a detective, maybe a former player that could, you know, give a little tip off as to, you know, hey, th- this is what we did back then. Check this. Maybe a, a, a quality control coach of the other team to make sure it's thorough. Put a little contingent together. And throughout the game, before the game, they're checking the facilities. After the game, they're checking the facilities. And during the game, they're looking for eye movements, a la Christian Yelich, sounds from the dugout, a la the Houston Astros, and extra cameras. I mean, this... The MLB, I really feel strongly about that. I think the MLB needs to at least test it out during spring training. I mean, I know spring training doesn't matter. No one's probably cheating in spring training. But, you know, just to get the logistics down of it, to have a quality enforcement agent or a team of them that travels to each ballpark on game days. I, I just And their sole purpose is to check for this. I don't know. I, I think that would be an interesting concept. Because I think that might be the only way that they can ensure, no questions asked, that there's a clean game. Because as we've seen, as it's been shown and demonstrated to us by the Houston Astros with this latest thing, by the, the Red Sox trying to gain an advantage over the Yankees using a uh, an Apple Watch in the dugout, we've seen that the honor system in the MLB doesn't work. And I think there's a marked difference between gamesmanship, like Bill Belichick putting in a thermometer on a very, very frigid day in in the visiting locker the visiting team's tunnel. That's gamesmanship. And we can go there too. He also is accused of spygate. That's cheating. <laughs> so it happens across all sports. 
So I, I'd be interesting to see what, what you guys think about my suggestions on how to, how to improve this. And I also want to talk about that Carlos Beltran isn't innocent. And, of course, more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. After midnight on The Fan. And good morning again, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan at 342 in the morning here in lower Manhattan. And I, we were just talking about the the cheating scandal with the Astros. And... You know, obviously it's not a New York spin to it, although the Astros did beat the Yankees in some pretty important games. Um, The spin I wanted to also put on it, and and I gave some suggestions on how the MLB should and could handle it, but we'll go back to that. But I wanted to talk about next about how Carlos Beltran's involvement. I mean, he's not innocent, okay? And actually, in my opinion, he's far from innocent. And allegedly, according to responses, that he and Alex Cora played key roles in devising this entire system. Beltran, the DH, Cora, the bench coach, alongside A.J. Hinch. And before this, all all the newest details really emerge, I I pulled my, I'm not being joking when I say this, my very intelligent Twitter followers and one of my famous Twitter polls, at Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, you could see the results yourself, but I gave the question of, how concerned are you, Mets fans, that your new manager is being implicated in the Astros sign-stealing fiasco? The choices I gave were very concerned, out of sight, out of mind, he had nothing to do with it, and who cares? Those are my four choices. Only 6% of voters said he had nothing to do with it. So Mets fans know there's something's up. In terms of the other answers, the most got, who cares? 34% of the voters said they are very concerned, and then only 13 said out of sight, out of mind. So... Obviously, Brody Van Wagenen was asked about this. Thursday's GM meetings in the beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, Brody Van Wagenen told reporters, anything that happened, happened with another organization, with Houston. I have no idea if anything did or did not occur, but at this point, I don't see any reason why this is a Mets situation. Well, he's right and wrong. Right now, it's not a Mets situation. Yet. That's where he's right. Where he's wrong because it undermines the credibility and the integrity of of his guy that went through a rigorous, multiple-round, extensive interview process. And there's a chance that the Mets will start 2020 with a suspended manager, Brody's guy. And they said that at the, the owners' meetings this upcoming week, uh, also, I believe, in, where is it this year? Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona as well. I, thanks. Uh, it's the case and its ramifications. They're all expected to be discussed this week. So by probably this time next week, we'll have some sort of resolution. I hope on, on, on this whole thing. Beltran took to the New York post. He said, we took a lot of pride in studying pictures on the computer. That is the only technology I use and understand. It was fun seeing the guys get back to the ballpark and look for little details. He doubled down and he said, I'm not concerned. There's nothing illegal about studying your opposing team. We all have the same opportunity to look out for information and tendencies. I love and respect the game. I will be a student of it and apply it to all the lessons. Apply all the lessons. Now, I want you to take a listen to this video. Maybe turn your radio up a little bit. This is Carlos Beltran taking in at bat versus the Rays on August 1st, 2017, of course, in Houston. Chris Archer, which, who was then with the Rays, versus Carlos Beltran. We're going to listen to the whole thing. I'll, I'll sort of kind of interject um, 
without, you know, overshadowing anything. But this video was not put together by the other guy that someone so rudely tweeted me. No, this guy was put to, this video was put together by somebody named Max. This is his handle on Twitter, Max Wildstein. And we're not talking of, I want you, and as you listen, I want you to notice the, the quantity of, of the bangs. Because they not only show that it was a banging of a garbage can for off-speed versus, like, fastball. This indicates that the number of bangs signified which pitch was on the way. And that's really bad. So turn up your radio. Listen for yourself. Hitting 357 during the streak. Did you hear it? Throughout his one bang for a slider. Two bangs, you hear it? Change up. I'm, I'm going to spoil it. Next pitch is a change one up. One the How many bangs do you hear? Two, right? Slider, next pitch, one bang. And it's two and one on. Then he would toe tap and go forward. Now a little more spread out. And I think that what that does it. gets him on his Slider. legs and kind of simplifies Final the swing the and doesn't create a Fast lot of ball. movement. Therefore, the head's no going to be a little bit make adjustments in his 20th season. Game's not easy. There's a ball ripped, and it's in and out of the glove of Duda. Duda's going to race to the bag himself and get there. And he was out. And that's uh, obviously the the um, courtesy of first the tweet, Max Wildstein. I want to shout that out again. That was great work by him. And obviously the commentary is Astros Radio Network. So slider one bang. It happened twice in the at-bat. Change up two bangs. It happened twice in the same at-bat. Fastball, no bang. You be the judge. Ken Rosendahl tweeted late Friday that MLB investigators are moving quickly. They are now interviewing players. And I'll talk some uh, further ramifications for Carlos Beltran in a second. Anthony, New Jersey, you're on the fan. Anthony, are you there? I think we lost Anthony. Hi. Oh, you're here. I am speaking. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, so I... So, of course, just I wanted to mention over all of these things, obviously, um, the Astros, there, there's really no hiding behind what they've done. I mean, you can look at all the videos from whether it's from John Boy or, or Max, there's clearly a, a correlation. Um, and whether, you know, obviously Beltran was involved, you know, most likely, I mean, he was on the team during those years as well as Alex Cora. Uh, that was his I, I really don't, that we were just listening to. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I, I don't know how severe the penalties will be for for them, um, let alone the Astros themselves, whether it's draft picks or, or something like that. Um, but I, I wanted to, to kind of wonder about exactly, like, you know, what is it possible with, you know, are the – Beltran was with the Yankees as a consultant or whatever for right. a while. Mm -hmm. You know, what is what is it possible, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a Yankees fan myself. What is it possible with his involvement with the Yankees? You know, is it possible that they were involved, that they knew? You know, um, I mean, who knows? That you know, is it possible that Aaron Boone was kind of in on this as well? Um, I mean, if you had you know any perspective on that or uh, yeah, you know, just yeah. I mean, this is Anthony. Thanks for the call. I mean, this, like I said, this is more widespread than anything, and and now. You're looking into the, the reputation of Carlos Beltran, the man. Carlos Beltran, the man that worked 
in the Yankees front office that the man that was led into Brian Cashman's I, I joked last week, uh, the meet the fuckers illusion uh, uh, I made when the, the circle of trust. If you've ever seen the movie, I hope you're giggling right now. That this is a man that was led into Brian Cashman, the GM of the Yankees circle of trust. This is a man that is now chosen to lead the New York Mets for, for years to come. I, I think this is more widespread. I'm not trying to implicate the Yankees because nothing I've seen online um, has shown that. But I, I do think that, I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the Astros were the only ones that were just stupid enough to get caught, like I said. Uh, the Red Sox tried using the Apple Watch. They also got caught. Is there another discreet way of doing this that other teams are using? I, I'm gonna. I'm, I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that. Yeah, they probably are. <laughs> they probably are. They're just doing it in different ways. And I'm just. I don't understand how nobody hears that. I know the stadium is loud and stuff, but like if you're sitting. in... Those real expensive seats, you know, I, I just don't understand as a, how a fan can't hear that. You know? And I think it's just more widespread than you think, really. And I got a little shout. Uh, Brian, I got a little shout from Max Wildstein on uh, on Twitter. And he said, uh, thanks for saying my name correctly. I told him to call in. Let's see if he does. He's listening live. Or someone gave him a heads up. So Max, who assembles all these videos, we're, we're waiting on a call in from Max, which we might have to hit at the break. The next break is at fifty-seven, so we'll see if we can get him in before then. Um, but so to deal with it, to deal with the ramifications of this, I mean, this is really bad. This is a really bad look for the MLB because I'm saying, as a player, if I know, as a player, I, I, as in the batter's box, I'm looking for two things: speed. And location. And I have point, whatever it is, three seconds to decide or guess right, speed or location. If I can eliminate one of those two choices in those point three seconds I have to swing my bat, that makes my job fundamentally easier. And that is a distinct advantage. And the New York take on this could be, we keep hearing how Carlos Beltran is destined for this Hall of Fame, right? If he's found guilty, does this pump the brakes on his case for induction? Are there Hall of Fame ramifications? Because you see, and you have seen, that these steroid-era players, they're having a hard time getting in to the Hall of Fame. But, and... Here's the difference. Steroids can't help you hit a baseball more with more frequency. It could just help you hit it harder when you do get a piece of it. So how about when you know what's coming before it's even thrown, as indicated by Max Wildstein's uh, video of Carlos Beltran versus Chris Archer from 2007. So... As a former player and as a coach, I'm going to argue that that's even more egregious. That's an even more egregious offense than taking steroids for the reason that it it, it helps you 
make contact. It helps the batter, obviously. But it also helps the potential stealing base runner. Because come on, if you know the which pitches are coming, as even a base runner listening to those bangs, you would obviously choose to run on an off-speed pitch rather than fastball. Right? So therefore, furthermore, I feel like a lawyer, furthermore, you have a better probability of being called safe at, at the next pl- base that you're going to. Because it is an off-speed pitch. Because if you're running on a fastball, it's a better chance that you're going to get thrown out. And if it's an off-speed pitch, you have a better probability of being called safe since the ball takes fractions of seconds slower to arrive at the catcher's glove then his throwing hand and then make it all the way down to the covering shortstop's glove. And you don't need me to tell you that this obviously leads to more run production. And when you have more run production, you have more wins. Obviously. So the MLB has a huge problem. I mean, this is a scandal of all scandals. Technology in baseball has advanced well beyond the, you know, the typical telltale signs of a pitcher tipping his pitches with technology. And I hope I said in the open, if you're a fan of Black Mirror, that Netflix show, I mean, this is Black Mirror. This is, I feel like I'm in an episode of Black Mirror because it is technology that has infiltrated its way into baseball. And in my opinion, it's ruining the game. And I, I don't think I'm, I'm in the minority. I think I'm in the, the majority for that. Unless, of course, you're listening in Houston. <laughs> then you're sure you have a different take on it. So this obviously can go in a few different directions. I've outlined three of them. Or four, even. Either the MLB can legalize outfield cameras for all teams. They could change the way the signs are given. Give the pitcher and a catcher an earpiece. And it goes without saying, penalize the cheating team, in this case the Astros, so severely that no other team would think to do it. And maybe the MLB can put some quality control enforcement agents in each and every ballpark on game days to to do a little once-over, a little checkout for eye movements during the game, sounds from the dugout during the game, extra cameras planted, and maybe they can do a walk before and after the game to check out and see if there's anything that shouldn't be there. Talk more of this after the break. Obviously, I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. We are back on WFAN Radio in New York City. I'm Daniel McCartan, McCartan after midnight, or now we're basically McCartan in the morning. Still alliteration. We still like it here. Um, we've got, oh, this has been nonstop all, all tonight. We've we've covered Colin Kaepernick. We've colored, covered the Knicks, the abysmal Knicks. Um, I, now we're, we're really taking this, I hate this expression, but we're taking a deep dive into this Astros cheating scandal, the impact on baseball, the impact on Carlos Beltran and the impact on, on eventually maybe the Mets. And I had in the break, I was talking to some people on Twitter, um, Tom, who's at T O W A Z Y. He said, outfield cameras can not only steal the catcher signs, but they can also pick up the pitcher's grip on the ball in many cases. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. And Jim Veros, he says, 
fine the Astros, and publicly ridicule them. Moving forward, if teams feel like they have evidence, they can appeal to commissioner to have the game forfeited. Three games or, or of proof, and the team is banned from that season's playoff. We're all just trying to generate some ideas on how this is going to work. And one of the catalysts of this entire movement, his name is Max Wildstein, and he just happened to be listening to us here in New York. And, and Max, are you on the line? Yes. Are, where do you, are you from New York? I'm, uh, I'm actually from Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Oh, did you go to Colin Kaepernick's thing today? Um, no, no, no. <laughs> I was a couple, I was like two hours away. I'm oh, just kidding. All right. So Max, now obviously you have a baseball background looking at your, your Twitter profile and, um, he's at Max Wildstein. And so listen, you're, you are one of the guys, one of the catalysts, you and this guy, John Boy are catalysts in putting out these videos. And I got to tell you, when I came across your video on my timeline, that was remarkable with that Carlos Beltran uh, at bat. What did you think when you first saw it? Well, first off, um, I wouldn't really call myself the catalyst. Uh, John Boy has been putting in all the hard work. He's the one who went through the original videos on YouTube, downloaded the uh, the feeds, and mm-hmm. went through and hit it, did his bit. But um, I saw on Reddit that uh, there was a raised game that needed to be looked at so i looked at it and i saw the carl Speltran at bat i put it in my headphones surfed through it and i kept hearing the banging and i was like okay maybe there's there's different like the reasoning behind certain amount of bangs different pitch so i went to i went looked up stat cast and what which p- every pitch was uh identified as and stat cast said okay it was one bang if it was on the pitches that were sliders there was mm-hmm. one bang change it there was two and obviously fastball there was no bang like you said previously right. and so i saw that put together a video used my limited um uh video editing skills that i, I have and that and i tweeted it out now in watching that live feed in that game did you see those bangs being used for other batters or only carlos Beltran? because we're here in new york and he's about to be our next manager of the mets um well uh I didn't necessarily go through other at bats because uh, I, I I'd already done a bunch. There, I have like ten or eleven videos uh, on my timeline that are uh, it was like Marlon Gonzalez, uh, Yuli Gurriel, Brian McCann when he was with the uh, the Astros, and obviously Beltran again. Like it's there's proof, obviously that he wasn't just the only one. But I, I'm sure if I look through the game footage again, that I would see probably more guys doing it now if you throughout your research and, and what you've seen because you are obviously more invested in this than me and probably most of my listeners did it ever come up with other teams that that you've seen um against other teams or uh, like with- like the astros you've seen i because i what i'm getting at is i saw a video of christian yelich looking into the outfield off off into the to right field during an at-bat i mean did you see it with any other teams being involved in possibly a cheating sc- you know, cheating scandal? I mean, I saw the Yelich video uh, that was put out by Bleacher Nation. Great blogging uh, they do on the Cubs and stuff like that. But, I mean, that really didn't, like... I mean, people look... You look You look in the outfield. Like, when I played baseball, um, I would look, like, seeing where certain people are positioned right. on the field. And that's, right. like, if I want to... If I get a fastball out and they're playing me the right field uh, or, or playing me the left field, I'm going to try to poke in the right field. It's just... there's it's open, but I mean, I didn't see, I didn't necessarily see other teams doing something as blatant 
as the Yankees. I mean, excuse me, not as the Yankees, um, as the Astros. Yankees, yeah. Like it just what they did was extremely, extremely, extremely blatant, and they did it multiple, multiple times. Um, there's, I was looking when I saw Reddit when there was like a there's like a mega thread uh, of instances, not just ones that John Boy and me have uh, laid out, mm-hmm. uh, but like they were doing it back as early as spring training. Like that's when they were playing around with it. And Even then, then, huh? Yeah, and then there's the whole whistling thing that I've there's seen. not necessarily like definitive proof just because whistling is something that like you have fans who are whistling during games like it's so you can't really like necessarily say it but right. there's like instances where there was whistling on like breaking balls like there was um john boy posted even uh in that bat from like from this postseason against the yankees when Rawls chapman was pitching in the ninth inning of game two i want to say and it was alameda's diaz and every time there's a slider you'd hear a whistle before it and when there was when there was a fastball thrown, you wouldn't hear anything. Now, if I'm paying in the in the cushy paying for the cushy seats, I'm sitting in the front row. Uh, you know, the AJ Hinch is right to my left. As a fan, how do if if the batter can hear it, how can't I hear it? I mean, well, they probably just maybe thought, thought it was just someone making noise in the dugout. It just wasn't like like it wasn't necessarily something that's like the signal a certain pitch. I mean, it's not also you're you're more concentrated in the game, so I wouldn't necessarily be looking for that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure now when fans are going to be visiting Minute Maid Park, they would be actually like trying to listen to this stuff. But I mean, obviously, like at this point, if the Astros do get whatever fines, draft picks taken away, mm-hmm. bans, whatever happens, suspensions, they're going to probably not make it as obvious if they're going to cheat. So you think they're going to still continue to do it? Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> I mean, teams, teams. They're not, they're not the only like the whole. They're definitely not the only team that does it. That's I mean, what I think. I would, yep. I would think the Yankees, the Red Sox, like all the good teams that are analytically driven, they probably do it something that's, to some extent. Like, I mean, like like you said earlier, the Red Sox with the Apple Watches. Like it's it's just everyone's trying to get that leg up. It's just the Astros did it so obviously, and like you just can't have that in the game. So let me ask you, because you have a player's background, so do I, and I'm all, I also have a coaching background. To you, what's the difference between gamesmanship and cheating? Where's the line? Let's, um, let's talk baseball. Where's the line? I mean, like, let's like I'm gonna use the whole Michael Pineda uh, situation from years back against mm-hmm. the Red Sox. Like, I I personally don't have any um, issue with pine tar. Like, I used to have pine tar like under like one of my flaps of my catcher's gear. Like whenever you get cold mm-hmm. out, because uh, uh, kids down south can't like handle the cold when they're pitching. Right. It's not like the northeast. <laughs> and we so, pitch in the snow. <laughs> yeah, and so um, if you're like Pineda and you're making it so incredibly obvious, like that you're that you're cheating, and that I mean I wouldn't I mean it's not like cheating. Like I just don't like you don't want someone to get hit in the head and like risk injury and stuff if it's cold out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're making something so obvious and you're doing it. It's something so blatant. Like that's that's where I think you cross a line. Like I have no problem with sign stealing. Like right. that's how you get your edge. Like if right. you're if you see someone tipping a pitch, I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. If um if you're at second base and you can and a catcher isn't using multiple signs or you can tell a sequence and you relay that to the batter, I have no problem with that. Like that's on a team to figure that out. But if you're using these cameras, you're using technology, Apple watches, um, high def cameras Mm -hmm. that pick up these certain things. Telescopic lenses. (laughs) 
you just can't you you can't have that like it's we're in an age where like those things are like available to us like you have all these such these analytically driven teams you have you have teams not just use just cameras in the eyes but you have like these like there's probably software out that can right. pick up certain sequences and stuff like you just it's that's like what's available and then that's where you cross a line now my final question because we're kind of up against a break a little bit but the skeptic says, and we're talking about Max Wildstein, who has put out a lot of these videos. Um, and the one that caught my eye was the Carlos Beltran one. Um, but the skeptic says, listen, Max, you have a lot of time on your hands. You obviously doctored this video. What do you say to them? Look, if I was, if I was a doctor, this video, I would do it much better. I would have, I would have, I don't like, I would have also had way more like videos, way more at bats, but like, I mean, I don't want, like, don't get me wrong. I'm a little salty towards the Astros as a Yankee fan. Like I was, <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went to the games in New York um, and just seeing them um, beat around the, the Yankees was not fun. Luckily they won that last game before they lost in sad fashion in Houston. But like, I'm not, but for someone I don't that wanna, says like, I don't he, he's doctored these videos. You don't want them to lose their jobs. Is, is... I, like, like if like, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to have people lose their jobs, but they deserve to. Absolutely. Like, like this, the like people who are in charge of this whole scandal, like they shouldn't be in baseball. I mean, like I don't think, I think Carlos Beltran. I love the man. I love what he did for the Yankees this year. I loved him his entire career. I grew up watching him. Like he's a great guy. Like I don't want him to be out of baseball. Like I don't even think he needs to suspend it necessarily. But like again, if they're gonna give out suspensions, like Hinch, um, like Core and. And Beltran will probably be suspended at some point, and I think that, again that's another story. From, like it's another thing to think about. But so, Max, I mean, for the record, you did not doctor these videos. No, of course not. No, absolutely not. Well, thanks for your time tonight, Max. I appreciate that. It's four sixteen in the morning on the East Coast, so I, I appreciate you uh, calling in. Thank you. And that was that was Max Wildstein, who happened to be checking out on Twitter when when. I was talking about this, and, and that's how that works around here. In a New York Minute, we got him on the phone. Good job, Brian. Good job. Um, and, and he, again, is one of those guys, that one of them, as he mentioned. I, I The one that that caught my eye, and I, and I wanted to talk to him anyway, was this Carlos Beltran at bat. One bang was a slider. Two bangs was a changeup. No bang was a fastball on, on a garbage can in, in the clubhouse or the tunnel or whatever. And Max says he did not doctor these videos whatsoever I played it for you you be the judge I'm totally sold I'm totally sold on it meaning I'm taking it as truth now what the MLB can do about it and what they will do about it is a different story and what they should do (laughs) but my, my favorite idea was to have that I came up with, my original idea was to have a quality enforcement team in each ballpark on game days, checking for this kind of stuff. Make it a detective, make it a former player, make it from each team. Everybody has to have one of these quality control agents and everybody goes around the ballpark together and they tour the ballpark looking for different things, including during the game when you're looking for eye movements and sounds from the dugout and and extra cameras. That, I think, is the only way you're going to ensure a clean game. Is as we've seen, the honor system doesn't exactly work. So much more coming up after the break, and we still have 
Chad Cascadden coming up. I think we're going to run that at 4.40. We're going to do Chad Cascadden at New York Jets. Talk, we, we talked a lot of things other than football, and it's football Sunday here in New York. So line up your calls, 877-337-6666. I'll see you on the other side of the break. And welcome back to the McCartan After Midnight Show here on WFAN. And, uh, you know, you never know who's listening and who's listening live. And we just had totally unplanned a guest come on, well, call in from Atlanta, Max Wildstein, who's been creating some of these videos about um, this this cheating scandal going on, the epicenter being in, in Houston. And um, just appreciate the time he, he, he just took to, to call in, um, you know, so late. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean... 423 at night. I, I know people are working and stuff, but you know, I just I appreciate that. So thank you for that. And I appreciate you guys tuning in. I promise I'll give you a nice, intelligent, good sports show here. Um now this whole thing with uh oh, he said, it's always been a dream of mine to be on WFAN. Well, Max, you had it. You had your moment of fame. Um, so listen, at the New York take on this is we keep hearing how Carlos Beltran is 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 being implicated, and what does that mean for the Mets moving forward? We're going to have to wait and see, and then that's what Brody Van Wagenen said without actually saying it in Scottsdale, Arizona this week. So now let's head out to, not Scottsdale, Dobbs Ferry. Sparky, you're on the fan. Yes, how are you, Danielle? I'm good. How are you? Um, uh, as far as Carlos Beltran now, if he's actually proven guilty, the Mets really have to cut total ties with him. Because one thing, if he's proven guilty, what kind of credibility does he have? Because part of a manager's job is enforcing rules and discipline on players. And how can he enforce rules and discipline on players when he doesn't have it for himself? Well, Joe, the, the Joe Girardi hire is looking a lot more promising now, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> Sparky, thanks for the call. Uh, listen, I... That would be a total 180, and that would be a total case of just bad luck Mets. But you really think Brody Van Wagenen is going to turn around and fire the guy that he just spent weeks and weeks vetting? I don't know. I I, I don't see that happening. That's why I'm saying my, my solution, because this honor system is not working. My solution... And and, and I, I'll give you four to pick from. Well, three, really. Because I think we all can agree, unless you're an Astros fan, and maybe if you are an Astros fan, you might even agree, that you need to penalize this team so harshly that no other team would even think to do it. And the way you do that, I mean, the most liberal way to do it is to disallow them from playing in the postseason altogether. But that's not going to work. That's not going to fly. You already know that. Why punish the fans, really? So what you do is you punish the team itself by taking away the draft picks, first, second, third rounds over a course of many uh, seasons, because in case it's a weak draft or, or whatever, um, they won't they'll actually feel the repercussions of this. And if they go over the luxury tax, jack up the price on that, jack up the percentage on that, so that not only does it hurt them monetarily. It increases the wealth among all the rest of the teams, making their competition more difficult, theoretically. And as that caller, Sparky, was just saying, you know, this might have spurned a new generation of dishonest people that are now managers. A.J. Hinch obviously was involved. Alex Cora, 
Carlos Beltran. But my favorite suggestion, well, let me give you the three I came up with. One, the MLB can just hands off, allow everyone to do it. I mean, that might be the easiest way. Yeah, you want to do it? Go ahead. Legalize the use of outfield cameras. I don't think they'll go for that. And I don't think, you know, the romantic baseball fan would love like that at all. And I don't think they're going to like this one either. To change the way signs are given. I want you to forget about what you know about giving signs. How about you introduce a new position, a new coach, whose job is literally to sit in the tunnel and to give the pitcher and catcher through an earpiece the type and location of the pitch. No one can hear him. No one can see him. And that conjured up images in my mind of like Ben McAdoo with that with that diner menu in front of his face. Because if you have a good camera, you can read that too. And that would be a foolproof way to make sure that your signs aren't being stolen. Unless, of course, the room is bugged and then you got a whole other issue. Which leads me to my final and probably my favorite of, of my original ideas on how to fix this is maybe the MLB, and I was just saying it before, needs to have some quality enforcement agents in each ballpark, a little team of them that goes around, or a few teams of them. I mean, the MLB can afford it, right? I'll sign up to do it. Check out, you know, everywhere. Um, look for eye movements. Look for sounds. Look for extra cameras. Look for people with binoculars. What are they? Are they conveying anything to the players on the field? I mean, that I think would be the only way to ensure a clean game because as we've seen, the honor system doesn't work. And now, how is this going to impact Carlos Beltran in the Hall of Fame? Well, I mean, are there going to be Hall of Fame ramifications if he's found guilty? Which, based on the video by Max Wildstein, um, he is to me. Does that pumped the brakes on his candidacy for the Hall of Fame because you've seen now that these steroid-era players, they're having a hard time getting in. And steroids can't... The only thing they could do is they can help you just hit it harder when you do get a piece of it. It doesn't help you between your ears. It doesn't help you know what's coming or predict what's coming based on your pitch sequencing knowledge. It doesn't help with any of that. It's just when you make contact, it helps you hit it harder and farther. And those guys are having a hard time getting in. So how about now for batters or potential candidates that knew what was coming before it was even thrown to them? And as a former player, as a coach, I'm going to make your argument that that's even more egregious. Because it obviously helps the batter, as you can probably imagine. Because it's it's eliminating an entire thought process in terms of speed. And not only does it do that, it helps the potential stealing base runner. Like, come on. If you know which pitches are coming as a base runner, say you're on first base, you hear two bangs, which signifies changeup, you're going to run on that pitch, aren't you? Because if you hear no bangs, it means fastball. You're not going to run on that. You have a higher probability of being called safe when running on a on a changeup than running on a fastball. You don't need me to tell you that that is going to lead to more run production. Obviously. And I want to do one more thing on Colin Kaepernick, the player. 
We're not talking, don't call me up to talk about anything else other than Colin Kaepernick, the football player. Because I think you guys know me by now. I look at statistics. I look at those statistics that can be easily translated and leave nothing to be figured out. So a lot of time I look at percentages and things like that. Like, for example, when I look at strikeouts, I don't look at the number. I look at strikeouts over nine innings, the average. Okay? So I, I this before I was like, you know, if Colin Kaepernick played in the 2019 NFL, where would his statistics line up? So what I did was I looked at his career career figures over his six-year career with the, the 49ers. And so here we go. His career completion percentage rounded off 60%. That, the 2019 comparison, puts him between Josh Allen, who's ranked 31st in the league, and Jameis Winston, ranked last in the league. His career touchdown percentage, which is a measured of percentage of touchdown thrown when attempting to pass, 4.3%. Okay. Where does that put him in 2019? Tied with the Panthers' Kyle Allen. It's exactly the same number. His career interception percentage, 1.8%. Where does that put him in this league, 2019? This is the highest ranking he's gotten out of all these things that I did. 15th or 16th between Matt Stafford, Matthew Stafford, and Deshaun Watson and Joe Flacco. Career... Passer rating, 88.9, Colin Kaepernick. 2019 comparison, he'd be, well, between Kyler Murray, who's 22nd in the league, and Daniel Jones, who's 23rd in the league. Career sack percentage, which really was interesting to me because, you know, he's a mobile quarterback, all that, right? Before it was, like, cool to be that. Well, his career sack percentage is 9.2%. The comp for that? In 2019, he'd be 31st or 32nd in the league. He falls between Joe Flacco and Daniel Jones on that. Career-winning drives for Colin Kaepernick in his career? Seven. Russell Wilson has five this season alone. So also think further that Colin Kaepernick's numbers are reflective of him being on a roster with a cast of characters that went to the Super Bowl in, in one season. And the playoffs in another. So in two of the six seasons that Colin Kaepernick played in the NFL, which he made nearly $44 million, he had excellent talent around him. Now I want you at home or driving to think and ask yourself these questions after, after the workout today. What if Colin Kaepernick were signed to a rebuilding team or a team with zero playoff chances? Would it look the same? Would he look the same or would he look different? Would he look better? Would he look worse? And this alone might drive NFL teams not to want to employ his services based on his career facts and statistics. We're in an age of analytics, and that's okay. It's their prerogative. But what about this thing called the salary cap? Again, we're talking Colin Kaepernick, the player. Well, in 2016, a reputable nationwide source reported that Elway met with Kaepernick twice in 2016 and tried to work out a trade that would have sent Kaepernick to Denver. At that time, the Broncos wanted to trim Colin Kaepernick's guaranteed salary from just about $12 million to $7 million. 
Whether that would involve the 49ers paying the difference, they were, they were trying to figure it out. The deal fell through. And Colin Kaepernick actually had gone to Elway's house to have a meeting face-to-face. Now, Colin Kaepernick's salary, the last season he played, was a little over $14 million. Do you know how many teams this season have room for a $14 million player? 18. Now, I want you to subtract the teams out of those 18 that are not in the market for a starting quarterback that we know of. Right off the top, Jets, Giants, Packers, Seahawks, Patriots, Rams. One, two, three, four, five, six. So 18 minus six now is is 12. As of today, do you know how many teams have space for a $14 million player next season? 27. Now that might number might shrink or might grow. But as Phil Sims told us earlier, next year is a target year for Kaepernick. And he also added probably not as a starter, probably as a backup. So my bottom line, do I think Colin Kaepernick is good enough to make a roster? Yes. Colin Kaepernick, the player. Yes. And based on the fact that his career numbers and his career statistics aren't last in any of the statistical categories I just I told you about. So there, that means that in any of those categories, there are NFL starters on NFL rosters that are worse than him. So yes, yes, I do think he, ha- he has the ability to make a roster. Really? We don't know. We will see. We shall see. We have uh, Chad Cascadden coming up to talk some Jets, talk some uh, comparisons. We, we made a real nice, you know, comparison contrast, but more so comparison between the 1995 and 6 Jets to the 2019 Jets. And we talked a little bit about the Jets and Redskins game coming up a little bit later today at 1 p.m. So I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. I can't believe that it's Freaky Friday. It's Freaky Friday. Joining us on McCartan After Midnight on WFAN is Chad Cascadden, Jets linebacker from 1995 to 1999, current analyst on SNY. Chad, thanks for being with us tonight. Oh, you're very welcome. I opened this segment with the song Freaky Friday, and because the Kotite era when you were a Jet, to me, is eerily similar to the Gase era. And let me give you three examples. So before both 96 and 2019, the Jets spent a ridiculous amount of money in free agency. Two, through six games, O'Donnell was sacked 18 times. Darnold, Falk, and Simeon were sacked 24 times. And then probably the most interesting is quarterbacks with unusual injuries. Neil O'Donnell's season ends after slipping on the word Jets in the end zone. And Darnold's derailed before even really beginning after contracting mononucleosis. Are these extraordinary coincidences? It's funny how bruising environments uh, have very similar characteristics, and one of them being like bizarre, interesting, weird injuries, right? Um, and I experienced that back in 96. Now, let me, let me like sort of back up. One of the things that I also see as a parallel is um, the talent level. The 96 team, we did have talent, but we didn't have – we didn't – and we paid a lot for some of the talent that was there mm-hmm. that didn't perform. And then, two, I would say our offensive line was atrocious 
back in 96. Absolutely atrocious. Again, not to say that there wasn't talent there, but they just couldn't stop anybody. It was it was like a sieve. Uh, I remember even in 95 with Boomer Esiason and then 96 with Neil O'Donnell, they rarely had enough time back there, and they couldn't establish the running game. Um, so, And I see that exact parallel with, with the group that's out there today is you've got offensive line, which has been a problem for the Jets for God knows how long, and McCagnan never dealt with it truly and never drafted high draft picks to solidify the offensive line. So I, I like start watching teams by watching, which I think is the most important part of the team is offensive line, because you could almost do anything on offense if you have a great offensive line. It, look at Mark Sanchez back in the mid-2000s yep. with that great offensive line. Even though he was a sort of a mediocre quarterback, he went to two AFC championship games. Uh, so that's what you can do with a great offensive line. We didn't have that in 96. We don't have that now. Yeah, that's coming from a linebacker. And, you know, I, I'm looking... I mean, obviously the Jets have some elite first-round talent. They had Jamal Adams sixth overall in 2017, Sam Darnold third overall 2018, and Quinton Williams third overall in, in 2019. So why can't they seem to get it going this year besides the offensive line, or is that it? By the way, uh, those three picks by McCagnan were, were such they were such no-brainer picks right. uh, that, you know, you, you I don't look at those picks and say, wow, McKagan did a good job. I look at the second, the third, and the fourth, and the fifth round because that's where the depth of your team comes from. And those guys aren't even in the league anymore, most of them. They're not even in the league. And that just shows you how this team is like creme brulee. It's tough up top. Boy, you get past that initial crust up top, and there's nothing there behind it. And when injuries start plaguing, then all of a sudden you've got practice squad linebackers being brought up starting middle and outside backers for the Jets. Now, I actually think the Jets' defense has not played terribly. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but look, they've got they've got some serious issues in depth, and they're patchworking it. I think Greg Williams is doing his absolute best to try to give the Jets a chance to win. I don't really worry too much about the defense. I think they've actually performed somewhat okay. I mean, I challenge most even Jet fans who are your starting corners this week? I bet you can't even name two. Like I, I'm not sure I can name. When you're on teams like this where one, your talent level is low and two injury rashes are just ripping through the building. You know, I'm, I'm, I can't say that I'm the biggest Gaze fan but I, I, I gotta give him, you gotta give the guy a little bit of slack because he's got nobody. He's gonna have to coach to what he's got Put his players in unique situations to succeed, and then you have to eliminate the dumb, stupid mistakes, which are turnovers and penalties. And if you can win, if you can do that, you can win the field position game, and then you can start getting creative on offense and putting your players in position to, to succeed. Now you have a chance, and I'm not I'm not so sure that's what's going on there. And I think that's what's so frustrating for Jet fans is. They see it, they see these play calls, and they're like, what are you doing? There's some real frustration there, and I think I think Gase has got to grow out of that. The Jets are the fifth most penalized team in the league entering uh, play this weekend. Now, Greg Williams, you see him being creative despite all the injuries, despite having practice squad linebackers and no corners. But at what point is Adam Gase, this offensive guru, placed in the crosshairs for 
underutilizing uh, Le'Veon Bell for not putting Sam Darnold in, in, a, in a position to succeed. I, I think that's going to be from now until the end of the season. Okay, yes, this is not an ideal situation. Yes, there's some injury issues. Yes, there's some talent issues. What are you going to do about it? Okay, you're the you're the quarterback whisperer, mm-hmm. the offensive guru. Okay, let's see what you do. And I, what I would like to continue to see him do, which is I think I saw him last week, is start moving that pocket around a little bit. First off, Sam is a terrific quarterback. I cannot wait until he gets a chance to stand behind an offensive line where he's got two, three, four seconds to throw that ball like Tom Brady does up in New England. I can't wait because the kid can play. It, you know, It's hard when you don't have an offensive line that can block. And let me tell you, as a defensive guy, if I know that offensive line can't block, and now you've got to keep an extra tight end to block, and now you got to keep a back end to block, yeah, I'm putting eight in the box, and I'm bringing the heat mm-hmm. because you, you, you can't do anything. And when you're in that situation on third and six or, or more every single time, it's damn near impossible to win. You need to find a way to, one, protect Sam Donald, two, get guys in situations that they can succeed, and, and just stay out of that third and long situation, which allows the other defense to tee up. Now we're talking with Chad Cascana on the fan. Now Rich Cote gave you the call-up from the practice squad, but you know there was a lot of losing going on in those Jets years. What did Rich Cote teach you about losing? For me, when I was uh, with the 95 and 96 team where we went 3-13, and 1-15, and 15, I, was, I, I was in that film room every day doing everything I could to make sure I could continue to provide value to this team and to continue to get better. And when you're in a situation like this, you've got to buckle down and you've got to do everything in your power to make sure that you're not the person on that team that's causing this team to lose and I did that and you know my first year I was NFL rookie of the year as a special teams player because that's what my role was on the team and then in the second year I was I became a pass rush specialist by the third week and by the eighth week I was starting Will linebacker and when Parcells and Belichick came in in 97 they saw the value that I had of being able to play Sam and Will and Rush and D.N strong safety on short yards goal line all the special teams you know i was probably that first wave of slightly undersized linebacker 6'2 235 and i could run and i was quick and i could play multiple positions and it's interesting that you know that's a mid-90s team look at nfl linebackers today they're all sort of similar now it's 6'2 235 240 but they can run because the game changed and i was sort of on the uh, sort of on the leading edge of that and Belichick saw that and was able to find a role for me everywhere on his defense. And so I, I logged a lot of time. That's what I learned from losing. I learned that you've got to try to find ways to provide value to the team, keep a positive attitude, and don't do the things that cause you to lose, which is turnovers and penalties. You can't out-talent anybody, but you can outwork people and you can out-execute people. And the Jets have not shown that they can do that yet. And then we're talking with uh, former Jets linebacker Chad Cascada on WFAN. Now, the, the current head coach's MO seems to be to throw his players under the bus. As a player, as a Jet, former Jet, does that being called out to the New York media by the head coach motivate players or build resentment towards him? Boy, that's an interesting question. Let me give you a, a sort of an inside view of when I was with Parcells. You know, he would call guys out in front of everybody all the time but he did it in-house he always made sure that 
one, the only person that speaks to the media as far as the coaches go was him. And then two, while he may say some certain things here and there, he most of the time kept it in-house. And I always felt that was a better way of doing things because it's within the family and you're not embarrassing anybody except the guys that are in the room. Maybe Gase feels that this is a better way of doing it. I don't know. It wouldn't be my preference. Uh, however, some people, they do better when they're called out and some people do worse. And that was probably one of, Bel- uh, one of Parcells' real talents was he knew which guys he could push and say things in front of the team or in front of other people and get them to respond. And he knew the guys that if he did that to, it would make them go in the tank. And that was a real talent that, that Parcells had. I don't know if Gates has that talent because uh, I'm not around. Uh, I, again, I don't prefer him calling players out in front of the media or throwing them under the bus in front of the media. I prefer to keep things in-house. Did you ever receive any fines in your playing days with the Jets, but more particular with Rich Kotite? I don't recall having been fined uh, for, for something. Uh, I, I want to say I was probably fined for being late one time, and, and you know, it was probably like a 1000 bucks or something like that. And, and I was late because my car broke down and I didn't get there on time. So, you know, something, stupid things like that happen. All was the time. it posted for the uh, whole locker room to see, though? I mean, come on. That, you know what? I, I'm going to I'm gonna agree with you on that. I, I saw this tweet that mm-hmm. it was up on a television screen mm-hmm. in the locker room. They have a television screen with the fines. Yep. I, I'm not on board with that. I don't like that. Again, that's that calling people out in front of everybody thing. You know what? I got a fine. Nobody knew about it. It got, it was, it was, it, they took it right out of my paycheck even before I got my paycheck. So that was very nice of them to do that for me. Uh, but, I, yeah, I'm not on board with calling it out. And, you know, this whole thing with Quincy, uh, I believe his wife is a veteran. I yep. think he's taking her somewhere for Veterans Day. You know, I'll put a little bit on Quincy. He could have notified him. He could have said, hey, look, my wife's a veteran. It's Veterans Day. We're going somewhere. I, you know, I'd like to miss, you know, uh, treatment, yeah. it, would that be okay? And, and maybe he did, I don't know. Um, but yes, I agree. I, I, I'm not on board with that. I, I don't think that there's any upside. What? Let me ask you this. What's the upside of doing this? What's the upside of, of embarrassing players with fines on television? Is it really, is that is that really helping and motivating? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I feel the same way you do. I'm in agreement with you. I don't like it. Now, Quincy Nunwa, he's become the third player in a month to criticize the organization on social media. Now, I can't imagine that a Kotite had a, had a hold of that locker room with 4-28 and in his Jets career record. What are the obvious signs, or maybe not so obvious signs, that a coach has lost his locker room? Yeah, uh, I think that's a fair question. One, thank God there wasn't social media back in, in the Kotite <laughs> area. I, I'm not... <laughs> I think there would have been a mutiny. Um, I think you're starting to see some of the uh, signs that you may be losing the locker room, disrespect of the coach, questioning organization out loud. I think there's some rumblings that are, are going on right now where if if, you, if if Gase is not able to show that he's the, he's the coach of the future, I, I do think you're going to see guys get these mysterious injuries like you know pull your calf muscle on the jets 
logo out on the field in pregame before <laughs> before the game. You know, mystery shoulder injuries, mystery hamstring injuries. Um, you're going to see that because guys are like, you know, they're going to say, I'm out. I'm not doing this. I'm not putting my body through this. You know, we're a losing organization. This isn't going anywhere. I don't believe in the coach. And so I think you're seeing those signs. You're seeing large injury list. You're seeing rumblings from the locker room of, you know, probably the feelings of mishandling situations. Um, yeah, I think you're starting to see it. You've got to start running the team with discipline. You got to start running the team, but but keep it in house. Again, yeah. I, I I'm not a big fan of, of putting it out in front of the media and, and coaching from the podium. You know, coach from the locker room, coach from the, the meeting rooms. That's where you coach. Don't coach in front of the media. Don't know if this is the guy. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I need to see some evidence, and, and thus far, I have not seen it. Now, Christopher Johnson, as you probably know, gave Adam Gase quite the backing. If you're making the decision, do you keep or fire Gase? You know, Chris Johnson is doing what an owner of the team is supposed to do. Yeah, he's supposed to give the owner, uh, give the team and the franchise stability. This is our guy. Gase is our guy. We hired him for a reason. We brought in Douglas for a reason. And I, I like the hire of Joe Douglas. I think he's going to turn the talent level around. As a former offensive lineman, I think he realizes the issue he has at offensive line. He tried to shore it up with Khalil. Khalil has not shown us that he can perform at the level that he used to. As far as the GM goes, I think it's good. As far as the head coach goes, I don't know. But I think Chris Johnson is doing what he's supposed to do. Stabilize the franchise, stabilize the organization, say this is the way we're moving forward, and let's go. And let's get working. And so that doesn't mean he's not going to fire Gates in the offseason, but I would have preferred that they not do it backwards in the offseason. In other words, let McCagden run free agency in the draft, then hire the head coach, then hire the new GM. (laughs) They did it backwards. And it, it done it the other way around. I know, I know. Now the final thing is obviously we're gonna look ahead to, to you know the Redskins game. The ninety six Jets lost to the Redskins, but maybe in two thousand nineteen the Jets can put two wins together for the first time this season. Complete the sentence. This player will be a key to a Jets win. Crowder. He is a gamer and he's going he's he's got the old team. Uh so he's gonna have a little bit of extra juice in the tank. All right, number two. I would be surprised if. That's a good one. I don't know. I don't think surprises me anymore with this team, you know? <laughs> be surprised if, if, if Washington blows out the Jets. I would be surprised. Okay, number three. I would be, con- or I am concerned or afraid that. That the Jets are going to continue to regress. They've got to continue to build on this win. They got it. If they regress, that's where I think our conversation about losing the locker room really becomes an issue. Because if they can't go against a rookie quarterback against a bad team, the Washington Redskins, they've lost against Miami. If they lose against Washington, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna start losing. You're gonna start losing people if you haven't already. You're gonna really start losing people. The outcome of the game will be. I think it'll be a tough outcome, but I think the Jets are actually going to pull this off in a low-scoring game. I do. Uh, don't start thinking that the Redskins aren't going to be a tough team to beat on Sunday. And I hope that the Jets go in there and they and they can get after Washington and reduce those mistakes and get attacking that rookie quarterback. It, it, you know, Williams has probably got a great game plan. Hopefully he's got Adams coming up the middle and off the sides, and he's got the linebackers flying all over the place. He's going to confuse that rookie quarterback because as a quarterback, when you're a rookie, you, you know, much like 
Donald said, you know, I'm seeing ghosts, you know, a few weeks ago. That's what the Jets need to do to uh, confuse the, the Redskins, is they got to make them see things that aren't there. I think Williams can do that. All right, Chad Cascadon, thank you so much for your insight. You're welcome. And good morning, everybody. We are at the top of the hour. It is 5 a.m. here in New York City. Chilly New York City. Cold New York City. I'm Daniel McCartan. Carton in the morning now with you on WFAN Radio. Um, and I, I'm just... <laughs> obviously, it's a very packed sports week, packed sports night. And I'm just sitting here laughing to myself. I, sometimes I crack myself up. I just tweeted... <laughs> A uh, live look at the Yankees' involvement in the Astros cheating scandal, dot, dot, dot. And it's a, it's a picture of Brett Garner banging on the roof of the dugout. What if we have been missing this sign all along, everybody? Well, more on that in a little bit. Now, obviously, by now, I think you guys know that I am very, um, I don't know, involved. I like, I like including music with this. So my opening, I always have some songs to match what I'm talking about, and my first kickoff song was Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And I started by this morning by saying, like, listen, Miles Garrett came at Mason Rudolph like a wrecking ball with five seconds left in the game on Thursday Night Football. And you guys know me. I don't ever stay up long enough to watch the end of these games. I mean, they start too late to begin with. And I almost made it through this one. I turned it off for like five minutes to go, and I missed all of the excitement. And then, obviously, the next biggest story in the NFL this week um, also is not a New York story, but it's, you know, a big one. And that is the Colin Kaepernick story. And obviously, if you guys want to load up some calls, it's 877-337-6666. So for me, the incons- inconsistency of the he said, she said, they said between Colin Kaepernick and the NFL. Today alone, let's just look at this. The time of the workout changed. The circumstances of the workout changed. Media, no media. The location of the workout changed. I mean, we went from holding this thing at the Atlanta Falcons NFL facility to a high school, like at least 60 minutes away. And that's if you drove right through the heart of Atlanta, which is jammed with traffic, so I'm sure it wasn't actually 60 minutes. I looked it up. And I'm uh, I'm a pretty linear person. So I tried... You know, just to find a timeline of exactly what happened and when. Just a, a, a linear timeline. Because this is, is chaotic. You can't keep up with this. And so, if you find one, let me know. No one has let me know all night uh, if they found one. But maybe I should make one myself and, and do it. But he's issuing statements. Nessa, his girlfriend, who got him in trouble with the Ravens, by the way, was tweeting and retweeting statements. The NFL is issuing their own statements, and the whole thing's a big, a big fat mess. And why? Well, let's not get it twisted, everybody. Both sides are kind of sort of culpable in this. Because in short, the NFL, for throwing this together seemingly haphazardly, like how, how do you have, have this, you know, a week, snap your fingers and everybody jumps on a Saturday, more or less. Then Colin Kaepernick, because for in search of clarity... I'm, I'm going to presume he's searching for clarity. He kind of muddied the situation even further. At the workout were representatives from the Jets, the Redskins, and the Chiefs. I saw that from a photo tweeted by reporter Jordan Rodriguez. And Kaepernick's message to, to them, those scouts, was when you go back, tell your owners to stop being scared. And before he got into the waiting car, he said, 
The ball is in their court. We're ready to go. And Adam Schefter tweeted at 6.01 p.m. that, you know, last night that today's workout in Atlanta, or after today's workout in Atlanta, an NFL executive at Colin Kaepernick's throwing session said his arm talent is elite, and it is the same as when he came out of college. He said Kaepernick threw the ball well. So I'm sitting there watching the tape, and we'll get to your calls in a second, 877-337-6666. I'm sitting there watching the tape at home, eating my two slices of pizza, and I'm like looking at it. I'm like, I don't know exactly, exactly what I'm looking at. I mean, I played Madden. I know some schemes. I, I know some things. If I I, I played uh, flag football as a quarterback, I kind of know what I'm looking at, right? But then I'm like, I can't get on this radio station and, and kind of sort of. It's not my style. So I'm thinking like, who can help me? Phil Sims. Phil Sims, if you missed it, Phil Sims was on with us earlier and he said, and these are quotes from, from Phil Sims. Um, in terms of the workout, Phil Sims said that it's not enough for me, not if I'm trying to really show off. No way he could be a starter or backup right away. And I don't care how much you train, and I paraphrase the rest of this, it isn't uh, replicating game speed, this workout today. Let's head out to Long Island. Paul, you've been on hold for a long time. Oh, no, how Paul, are we doing today? Good, how are you? I'm not too bad. I, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing is, it's almost become comical because nobody talks about how if the if NFL team does sign him, what happens if they have to cut him? They have to cut him, that, that causes a whole different scenario for everybody involved in the situation. What happens if he's not good enough and they do have to cut him? Then that opens a, a, a whole different scheme of things and it's just something i don't think anybody wants to talk about and then it and you know then, and then so here let's look at it two ways because you we waited a long time on hold so let's look at it two ways yeah. so you sign him and then you because he's not good enough have to cut him and we, I, you heard me you, i went over the numbers and say say he's not good enough you cut him right the people that are for colin kaepernick are going to say well you just signed him just to cut him and then the people that are against yeah. him are going to say well no he just wasn't good enough so this is like a lose lose. No, nobody wins, and that's and that's a crazy situation that the NFL and he put himself in. You know, it's it's unfair to Colin Kaepernick, and it's unfair to anybody who signs him because he's not going to start. And if he does have to come in the game, and if he does fail, and they do have to cut him because somebody is going to come in and be a better backup, then it's just it, it causes a, a huge mess, a huge mess. I I feel. I, I you, know? you know, I would agree. I mean, that that would be like a, a PR nightmare for for the NFL to try and handle that, and and on, on the team level as well. Like, well, who wants to be that coach that has to cut Colin Kaepernick? That's the, that's the worst situation ever. Yeah, I mean, for a coach because it's just you're getting publicity that you might not want anyway, and on top of it, we have. I mean, he wasn't that great when he was playing his last season anyway. So now what happens? Every he's two now three years out of the league. Mm-hmm. Now he comes in and plays, and he he does fail. Then what happens? You know what I mean? You just yeah. you're it's I I don't know. It, it seems like it would just be a mess. And then after today, he looked all right. I mean, he had a couple of deep balls. He he threw the ball all right. Yeah. But anybody can. I mean, anybody who played quarterback can throw the ball. Okay, doesn't matter if you've been out of the league two years. Or, I mean, Boomer Cyrus and Phil Sims can go out there and. 
hidden out or hidden, you know, a fade pattern right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. What What if, Paul, thanks for the call. What if we did send him out there? What if Phil and, and Boomer had their own workout in the streets of Manhattan here? <laughs> no, I'm just being facetious, but that's a great point. Yeah, I do agree with that. Uh, we're about to hit the break. Uh, obviously, some more phone calls, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 6 a.m. Again, everybody, it is 523 on this very, very, very chilly January-like November night or November morning here in New York City. Uh, I'm Danielle McCartan with you guys until 6 a.m. And at 6, Bob Salter is going to come your way. Um, listen, let's really go back to the calls, 877-337-6666. Um, you know, I got, I don't want to say bailed out, but Phil Sims came to my rescue when he offered his services on, on, on um, you know, just breaking down what exactly happened in that Colin Kaepernick workout. Um, he did say it was exactly what he thought it was going to be. And do I think Colin Kaepernick's good enough to make an NFL roster? Um, yeah, I say yes. Uh, and I ran some career numbers. You know, yes, uh, maybe provided that the team has the cap space to sign him. I think that goes without saying. Um, but he didn't come out last on any of the sti- statist- <laughs> the statistical categories that I had ran, that I had run. So he didn't come out last. So that means he, if he was took his career numbers and implanted him into today's NFL, in 2019's NFL, you know, he, he wouldn't be last. So that means to tell me that he would probably make a team. Which team? I don't know. Um, and, and one of the teams in attendance at his workout today was, was the Jets. And I did ask Phil Sims, like, hey, you know, what does that mean for Sam Darnold? He said, as, as Sam Darnold, I'm paraphrasing here, is absolutely the guy. There's no nothing out of the Jets saying that he's not. So the Jets are just doing basically due diligence on checking out Colin Kaepernick. Beth Page, New York. Joe, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you? Joe, are you on a cruise ship? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> just some roll with the wheelbarrow in there. Uh, quick, quick. I'll put take your speaker. One sec. I'm so sorry. How are you? Is oh, much better. Much better. What's up? All right. Awesome. Um, yeah, I got three, uh, you know, it's a, there's three points this Kaepernick thing. Uh, one, he's terrible. Um, two, I kind of wish the Jets would sign him so I can jump ship on my dumpster fire of a team. You haven't jumped yet? And Good for you. What's that? You haven't jumped yet? Good for you. Uh, yeah, no, I, no, they've been terrible basically my whole life. Um, <laughs> but if they sign them, it gives a, every Jet fan, especially in New York and in law enforcement, uh, an easy out to pick a new team. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, this is definitely a Jet move if they if they take this guy. But they, they should have never hired this coach. And he's just have been terrible for half a century. Yeah. I, I've just never seen a franchise not get it like us. So we'll we'll sign him and uh you know, it it's just enough with this guy. It, it's a tiring and as soon as his forty nine er team uh retired, he's not good. I mean that was just a great team he went to the Super Bowl with and once all those guys were gone, he's pretty awful. Great so, defense. Thank you for the time and uh yeah. have a good day. Yeah, thank you, uh Joe. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, he, he didn't come up based on his career numbers in the 2019 NFL quarterback rankings. He didn't come up higher than 15th or 16th in the league in any of those things. And not to mention the salary cap thing too. So, you know, listen, I'll take phone calls about Colin Kaepernick, the player all day long, but the rest of the stuff you guys can, uh, I, I will drop you. So just, just a forewarning Frank in, in Rockland County, you're on the fan. 
Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? My whole thing with Kaepernick, he's making it seem like he wants to play in the NFL, but when he when it comes when it, when all said and done, he's trying to make everything else more important. He has a chance to have twenty five teams to see him play or, or audition or whatever. And then he goes out and now he's bashing. You know, I don't want to. Play, I don't because of a, a tape. And the NFL said that every team will get the copy of the tape, and it he's. It seems like he just doesn't want to. His main focus is not being signed by a team. It's his whole persona of the whole his shtick. Whole, yeah, the his whole, whole his whole shtick. Yeah, and and it's it's sad because he 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 did look good. I mean, of course, it's like it's like a, uh, I compare him to like a. But they always show a, a field goal kicker kicking a fifty foot, fifty five yard field goal in warm ups. Yeah, and I, I, I don't feel bad for the guy. I, but he just, it, it needs to stop. And and he went from having twenty five teams to eight because of his his beliefs and his t shirts that he's wearing. And because yeah, and, and because he moved the the facility. I believe it was his decision to move the facility from. from it was yeah. So sixty sixty miles away. Yeah. Right. I mean, enough is enough. Like, now, is that the NFL's fault? Is that, you know, it, it, it's his, it's him doing this. I, 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 I mean, it, I think it, it's both of them. I, I think they're both culpable, really. And I, I, I question if he really wants to. I, I, I don't think he wants to play in the NFL. I, I, I believe he wants to play in the NFL, but his reasoning for playing is not because of his talent. It's because of his beliefs. It's the, the extracurriculars. And I have a problem with that. Thanks for the call, Frank. Um, yeah, I mean, there were 25 teams reportedly interested, and then it whittled down to eight. Eight teams made the track to go see him on his on his request to have it moved. And it, think about it: if you're like a, a marginally interested team, you're you're not gonna you're not making the trip. Those maybe that was his way to figure out who who is actually really interested. I, I don't know, but. At the original facility, the Falcons facility, it wasn't going to be the N. I think I saw somewhere that it it wasn't going to be the NFL. I think on the TV here in, in the studio that the NFL wasn't going to be the one filming it. They were going to be the one disseminating it, but it was going to be the Falcon staff that filmed it. And I I kind of sort of understand that because you know you want to be in control of it as does everybody. But he does have trust issues with the league. I mean, he sued them right and he accused them of. You know, he of of blackballing him basically. So I could see where he could be having trust issues with the league and saying, you know, not taking them for their word. I I do kind of sort of see that. So just this it's this whole thing is just tiring. And then what happens next? If you want to extrapolate farther, what happens next? He gets signed by a team. Let's just say, okay. You saw it already today. I mean, they were. People, both sides, uh, both perspectives, both point of views, camped outside the um, Falcons facility. Some anti-Colin Kaepernick's, some signs that said, stand for the flag, and some signs that said, I'm with Cap. Like, as an owner, as a team owner, as a, as a team president, like, 
you got to think it's not just the football player. It's, it's the extracurriculars. And is it worth it? Is, is the question is, is all of that worth it for a quarterback whose career numbers, when you place them into the 2019 NFL and, and all the quarterback rankings, doesn't score any higher than 15th or 16th in the league. And that's on an interception percent, percentage. You want to talk about career quarterback rating, 88.9, or career rating? That that 29 comparison, 2019 comparison, Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. Rookie quarterbacks, no? This guy has six years of experience. I mean... How about Colin Kaepernick in the clutch? He's got seven uh, game-winning drives in six years. Well, Russell Wilson has five this year alone. I forget the next one down. It was four. That person had four, whoever it was. So, like, Russell Wilson isn't the outlier of the data, you know? I don't know. Is it is it is the risk worth the reward? Because I saw some takes on Twitter saying, oh, well, Look how many 2,000, 2 million followers or however many Colin Kaepernick has. That, that's how many are going to be you know, fans of the new team. Well, you have to also have to account for the, the caller we just had that's saying he hopes the Jets sign him so he can finally break ties with the Jets. So how many are you going to lose? And and I wanted to get the direct quote. Maybe I could work on it on the break, but I talked with um, Devin McCourty about this. And Devin McCourty, twice actually, and Devin McCourty is very involved in the community He's one of the founding members of the Players Coalition, which if you haven't, if you don't know what the Players Coalition is, I, I suggest you go look at it. Those are, those guys are, are working with law enforcement. They're they're touring jails. They're 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 enacting policy. I think the latest one is that they're trying to get the um, an age raised from trial age from eighteen to eighteen to twenty. To be tried tried as a as a as a minor to twenty, I believe, instead of eighteen. You know the cutoff. I mean this this is stuff that's like I understand the movement and everything, but this is this is boots on the ground, real change. And I had asked uh, Devin McCourty, you know, why isn't Colin Kaepernick part of this? Like, wh- wouldn't he, wouldn't he be like the poster child for it? And I, I can get the direct quote. You guys can go back in the YouTube videos on my channel, but. Uh, basically, I'm going to paraphrase here. Is he said, you know, he didn't really fit the vision. That kind of says a lot. I mean, that to me, if that says a lot. And Sam in Long Island, quick, because we're up against the break. You're on the fan. Hi. Uh, um, I just think they're missing one big piece. I think both sides are protecting themselves for round two when he sues the NFL mm-hmm. again. Right. Nobody's seen the confidentiality agreement, and I think – they were both sticking to it, protecting themselves, and slanting it wherever they could to get an advantage. Right. And we we're all caught in the middle of it all. We don't know what to believe and, and, and amidst all this chaos. Right. But tr- truthfully, I would give him another chance if he would sign a contract that was different than anyone else's, meaning put the money uh, in escrow if he does anything that violates and does for his own personal agenda, the money gets forfeited. I think he's got talent, but he doesn't want to play. He wants the recognition. I mean, he wants the exposure for his own agenda. 
And to be, thanks for the call, Sam, for a, a martyr for the cause. Well, there's definitely that take out there as well. As you can see, it spans the gamut here about what people think about this. Does he really want to play in the NFL? Is he just using this? Um, I, Phil Simms said he, he thought, he thought I'm sure he'll get clarification on it, he thought they were filming a commercial as well tonight here. Uh, you know, last night, whatever, at the, at the, at the tryout, whatever, at the workout. Um, so I, I, I think at this point we have just more questions than answers, and I am not in a position to answer really any of those questions because, one, I was not in Atlanta, basically because I'm not in Atlanta. <laughs> I can't answer that for you. Um, and, and Jerry Shine 4 on Twitter is asking, can Colin Kaepernick quarterback my Sunday morning three-on-three football team, LOL? I think he, I, well, I, he is available, so um, tweet him. Maybe maybe he'll show up. Is it anywhere near Atlanta? Maybe he'll show up. And then now uh, we're, we're also going to talk about go around the league or the New York sports scene, Jets, Giants, Knicks, Nets. Um, yeah, that's just the dumpster, dumpster fire as well. So more your calls after break, 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. Good morning for the final time here uh, at WFAN. I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan in the morning now. It is 543 in the morning. We are dead set, headed right to the end here. So let's load up, load up the last round of phone calls, 877-337-6666. And, uh, you know, again, I opened the show with Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. And why? Because that was the only song that came to my mind when I'm thinking of the New York sports scene here. Like, why is it so hard to get a quality team here in New York City, the Big Apple, the crossroads of the world, and the city's so nice, they named it twice. So I inducted all of the teams, except for the New York Islanders, into my McCartan Ring of Fire, including the Jets, Giants, Knicks, Nets, Devils, Rangers. Because you know why? All of them, except for the Rangers, have losing records. And the Rangers, they're they're halfway in the ring because... They they got a 500 record. I mean, the New York Islanders are 14 and three. When was the last time any of our teams started off 14 and three besides them? Seems like pretty much like never. You got the Giants, whose premier running back of Saquon Barkley was held to one yard on 13 carries, not against the 1985 Bears, as you may have suspected, but the 2019 New York Jets. Is he or is he not operating at full strength? Then that loss places uh, to the Jets obviously put places Pat Shermer on the hotter seat, not by much, of New York football coaches. Giants have lost six straight, and the Jets, my God, Christopher Johnson gives gives Adam Gase a vote of confidence that he's going to be the man. And uh, then the the controversy with Quincy Anunua erupts. And I'm sorry, but you, you don't call players out like that. First to the media, and second on a on a TV screen in the locker room for for fines. I don't understand that. I, I don't see that as constructive. And neither did Quincy Anunua, who never really says anything like ever. But he went on a Twitter rant, and you know what? Good for him. So I went to the, the polls, my Twitter poll, and I asked Jets fans, "Do you trust Douglas Gase and and Johnson, Christopher?" to eventually turn these Jets into a playoff contenders? 91% of Jets fans on my Twitter said, not at all. Let's head out to Fairview. Jeff, you're on the fan. 
Danielle, how are you? Okay, how are you? Great. Uh, I got a couple of points on the Jet Washington game. But first, great interview with Chad Cascaden. Thank you. I mean, he was on SNY for a little while. I don't know if he still is. I don't have cable right now. Yeah, he still but is. But that was, you should have him on again, at least a couple more times before the season ends. All right. I will. Thank you. Sign him up. I will. I will. I'll, I'll reach out to him again. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it was great. All right. On the Washington game. Yeah. Well, they, they're starting to run the ball. Washington is with Bill Callahan, who, you know, used to be an ex-Jet uh, coach, uh, off the line coach. They're running the ball more, more. But the Jet defense is good against the run. Very good. And therefore, I think Haskins, you know, their quarterback, what's his name? Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. I think they might throw the ball, throw us a curveball, because we've got no cornerbacks. That guy Hairston stunk last week. But what do you think about Austin, the guy from Rockford? He wasn't, he always had an interception there. Yeah, I know. And, and and thanks for the call, Jeff. In his first game ever, I think he did all right. He didn't stick out. Isn't that the best part about that? He didn't stick out, which means he didn't stink. So, cool. Dix Hills, New York. Jim, you're on the fan. Good morning. So, yeah, with the Jets, you know, the uh, it's amazing the things in life you take for granted. When the Jets went to the AFC Championship two years in a row and, yeah. you know, the other New York teams were good, you just thought that's what life is like, you know, and here we are, you know what I mean, and uh, boy, oh boy. But, you know, the thing is, you're stuck with the whole uh, picture because we as fans aren't going to be able to get rid of Chris Johnson. And, uh, you know, the thing about Gase, I, I couldn't believe what he did with uh, Quincy and Lenoir. I know. But then, but then the thing about Gase is Sam Darnold likes him. And I still believe Darnold, you know, could be really good if he was on a really good team. So he likes Adam Gase. I'm sure he knows a lot more about Adam Gase than I, I do. You know what I mean? And, right. uh, and he also likes the GM, who does have a very good reputation but, you know, I mean, they always, when Bill Parcells came to the Jets, the funny thing they said, if there's any one person who can straighten out the Jets, it's Bill Parcells because he was so great. And people said the other end of that thing was, if there's any one team that can destroy Bill Parcells' career, it'll be the New York Jets. So this is what we're stuck with. I just hope they win today. Have a great day. Thanks, Jim. Uh, <laughs> you know, some more of the Mark Sanchez thing. He, 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 let's, he wasn't a great quarterback. But he had a great team, and he probably had a great scheme and a, and a great coach to, to scheme for him and his ability. And we're not seeing that with Adam Gase. And, and that thing with Quincy and Nunwa is absolutely reprehensible. Um, it's, 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 not, it's not productive. Although I do feel that, you know, with any job, you're supposed to call out sick at least or tell them a heads up like, hey, we're not coming or I'm not coming. And he took his wife out for lunch on on. Veterans Day, which was Monday, but then why was he out on Friday as well? So those are questions that I have for Quincy Nunwa, but I don't ever need to know the answer to that. That is something he should have taken up with his team and with his coach. But but putting players on blast like that, and then and you see, you know, but everybody else is doing it. All, all my other teammates are telling me that this is what's going on, and I just had to say something. So this, we're reaching a, a boiling point. And you heard Chad Cascadon say that he seemed, he thinks that the locker room might almost be lost for Adam Gase, a lost cause. Tony in Providence, you're on the fan. Hey, 
great show. You do a great job. Thank you. Uh, with the, the best station in America. Um, <laughs> my, my, my thing is about Colin, I can't believe that he would do that to all the scouts who went there, took the time, the Falcons donated their facility, and um, they showed a lot of respect. I don't think anyone's going to sign him now. Tony didn't, and I didn't see the full press conferences. I don't know if you did, but did he did he say the words "thank you"? Did he did he thank everybody? I don't know. I, I'm asking. I don't think he did. No, I mean it was more about um, like uh, justice and all this other stuff. And it's too bad. I know he wanted to get commercial, but it was a serious thing. You're trying to get back in the league for a couple of years now. Your big opportunity, and you blow it like that. You know. Yeah. I, I, well, let's see. Let's see what happens. I'm not sure if he he totally totally blew it, Tony. Thanks for the call. Because um, we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. I mean, he he still looked like Phil Sim said he looked like he was in shape, not football shape just yet, but but in shape nonetheless. I mean, Phil Sims liked what he saw, and Phil Sims put him on the track of not this year, but maybe next year. Work his way up to work his way up to a backup role. I'm paraphrasing Phil Sims's words, but. Um, and, and I keep referencing that because Phil Sims joined us right at the top of the show, basically, to talk about what he saw. And Phil Sims, um, he knows what he's talking about. Super Bowls, um, he coaches on, on the side. He coaches high school kids, the best high school quarterbacks in, in North Jersey. So he knows a little bit about a lot, uh, or a lot about a little bit there, there Phil Sims. But he, he knows what he's talking about. And what he says, I'm going to trust, absolutely. And we'll see what happens with Colin Kaepernick. Um, but I liked that tonight we kept it to Colin Kaepernick, the football player. They're, you know, the extracurriculars, of course, are going to be there. But as a player, we did a good job dissecting that tonight, guys. So um, also, I mean, you got the, the Knicks dumpster fire going on. Are they or are they not going to fire their coach? Uh, how are the Jets, the underdogs in the game versus the Redskins? How is that, how, is that possible? Because... If you're looking at the draft order, the the Redskins are picking second overall in 2020. The Jets are picking what is it fourth overall, and the Jets are two point under two point two and a half point underdogs. Man, David David in Watertown, Connecticut. Real quick, you're on the fan. Hey, uh, yeah, real quick. I know you're pressed for time, but yeah, I'm, I'm not so on Gase. You know, I was one of those guys a week or two ago. So let's fire him. But we're kind of stuck with him. So if you want if you want me to buy into the plan. Then go out and at least beat the teams you should beat. Right. Because if Gase can't beat the Bengals, he can't beat the Redskins, he can't beat Miami the next time. Then I don't know. The uh, just he's just not the guy. You got to be at least good enough that you should beat the, those three teams and maybe even steal one or two of the other games. But let's start with beating the teams we can beat, and then maybe I can buy into Adam Gase. If you can't do that, then uh, I don't know. We got to move on. David, I know. Thank you. And I was ready to drop him right after he lost the Dolphins the first time. The Dolphins are like kind of sort of like tanking, you know? And if the Jets do win the games that they're supposed to win, I think they'll end up at like 5-11 and 11 or something like that. That's not so bad after starting terribly. But to me, that's a false positive. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that at all. Adam Gase, he, he, to me, already I've made a decision he's not the guy. He's not my guy anyway. Um. And that's and that's that. The, the telltale sign is losing the locker room. That's the difference between Gase and Fisdale. Gase seems to, and Chad Cascadden backed me up on it, Gase seems to have lost the locker room. Fisdale, according to the quotes from his players after that press conference night this week, he still has them. As far as I know, he still has the players you know, in his corner. 
So, and the Astros cheating scandal, my God. And I, I figured out a way to, to eliminate the cheating and speed up the game of baseball. You know what it is? Those earpieces. There's going to be no indecisiveness on, on the, pit, the pitcher and catcher's part. You put an earpiece in, you hire a guy to call the pitches, just like in football, they have a play caller in the in the helmets of, of the the captains on defense and defense and offense. Perfect. No indecisions. Okay. Slider, zone three, done. Execute. I think that would work. To speed up the game and eliminate the cheating. But that's just me. Then there will be way more to come this week about that. And, and I'll be be on here again next week to talk about that. Just give thanks to all the callers. Could not have done it without you guys. It's been a fun four hours entertaining four hours love coming here talking to you all and and just another thank you to former jets linebacker now sny chad cascadden joining us tonight to compare and contrast his 95 and 96 jets to the 2019 jets spoiler alert there are more comparisons than contrasts two-time super bowl winning quarterback phil sims thanks to him too to help us dissect this colin kaepernick workout today great job to brian behind the glass he's been working hard all night and also to marco on the updates Enjoy NFL Week 11 action where the Jets are two and a half point underdogs to the lowly Washington Redskins. Should be um, a good one. Same time, same bad time, same bad channel next week. And in the meantime, you hit my socials at Coach MCCARTAN, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Let's keep the conversation going. See you next week.